Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 83, which is our first episode of 2022, and it features two films by Martin Scorsese, which are probably underrated or more unknown or lesser seen films. Uh, the first one is from 1985, which is After Hours, starring Griffin Dunn. And the second one is Bringing Out the Dead from 1999, featuring Nicolas Cage. These are both films that are about strange neighborhoods in New York City in the middle of the night. One is Soho and the other one is Hell's Kitchen. Really love these films. I thought it was a really interesting and fascinating podcast combo that we did. And, you know, typical of the kind of things that we do at Martini Giants. So I really enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it as well. Remind you guys that we, of course, that we are on Twitch when we record all these podcasts, so you guys can participate if you want. Uh, sometimes uh, there's video involved, so we show things up there, so you may not catch all of that on the audio, but it's always fun to see you on Twitch. If you'd like to participate, we would love to have you there. Just go to twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant, and don't forget to subscribe there if you'd like to, uh, and we'd always appreciate that. Uh, there is a little bit of a change this week. We normally record them on uh, Saturdays, uh, but we will be recording this one on Friday, January 7th, 2022 at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, that is a little change because I actually had a conflict on Saturday and won't be able to make it. So again, we're doing it on Friday, January 7th, 2022 at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Just go to twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And the episode that we will be recording will be Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell. And we will be pairing that with uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with Ben Stiller. Hopefully we will see you guys there. Again, that's January 7th at 4 p.m. All right. But for now, enjoy After Hours and Bringing Out the Dead. Hey, El Ray's here. El Ray. El Ray. Hey, uh, uh, Eric, did you ever send the... um, the drawing to El Rey in Malta. Do you remember? I can't remember, but I will do it. And I'll put, I'll include, you know what? I screwed up. I'll give these tonight. There we go. Okay. So El Rey, these are the drawings you're going to be getting. Yep. Sorry. No, it's okay. We owe you. I'm, thank up. you for coming on board and reminding us that we owe you a drawing. Nice. <laughs> Good. Yes. And I will sign them. I, uh, that was because Chris, you told me not to send it, and I was like, "What? Why would I do that?" He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, and I was it's like, like, "I'm." Just... It's like send him the Maltese Falcon because he's from that's Malta. Right. <laughs> that's right. I actually just rewatched the Maltese Falcon, and here's big news: that movie's fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> There's also a bar in Malta called the Maltese Falcon. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a stretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good on one. the nosy <laughs> there we are all right let's did see. you guys hear the news about speaking of uh stuff this is kind of relevant to some of the things we talk about but since we we're talking about comedy spotify has removed a whole bunch of comedy albums from spotify do you guys hear about this no yeah, what was the reason though i heard that okay so there's a bunch there's a there's a because obviously you guys know that you, know, you don't get paid huge amounts of money from spotify streaming right, right? but that's where most people get their music these days uh so the the comedian there's a group of comedians that said that they basically have are making a case that they need to be paid twice for the the albums because they're one the performer and two the writer (laughs) right and and you can't and it's and it's in music you can't always do that because someone can 
cover your song and then it's a cover of a song right right but in in comedy no one's gonna do a cover of a steve martin album right so uh so anyway they're they're going this this whole route about the right stuff so uh spotify removed a whole bunch of comedy from which that's funny that's so that like what a strange argument to make that's excellent i love it yeah the performance it. and the writing now i would yeah, I, that, that kind of makes sense a little it bit, does kind of oh, make I, sense. I hear, I hear what, what's being said it's just a, it's interesting it's a weird way to get at it it's an interesting mm -hmm. thing to say that's funny because mm -hmm. like the like the I mean really it's like like you know this is like this is like how i feel about you know certain aspects of the oscars where it's just like you know uh for uh, here I'll, I'll wander right into uh minefield territory um the minefield <laughs> so so in the vfx community uh -huh. um uh andy circus is uh hated <laughs> he's he is uh he's uh yeah we're not necessarily super happy with him that's true who's because andy circus andy circus the guy who uh, Gollum and whatever oh that Emotion. guy i yeah. heard and he's now, not a good person well, I, well I, see, like, see i don't know if he's is good person or they, not a good person. i hear i actually hear he's a very he is a very nice person but that's what i've is, heard too <laughs> uh but, but the, i have problems with what the he says that vfx has with him is that he takes sole credit and goes out of his way to cre to create the illusion that he is the only person who is delivering say, the performance the performance to you and uh and therefore and, deserves an oscar for his acting right and now i the thing is like i like i'm trying to give him all the credit in the world here's like the here's the thing it's like that the proper way for him to actually say this is to say i am the like it is me and the, and my team of creators who are animators and uh and, and everyone else who is involved in well, creating, that's the I'm, problem because like, then, I, then I am he the will, lead of he, creating this character what he's doing he's playing a political game as we all know and identified right. because he's petitioning the Oscar, the academy which is 90 percent actors yes right it's he's leaning on the fact that they do not understand the technology, technology. Right. Like, so he's just, trying to convince them. He's like, no, 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 it's all me. Forget about all those guys. Right. And so like from like from so he the reason he is doing this, like, I mean, if if we take this sort not of doing uh, it anymore, fight, though, is he it's like uh, it's still it's still a fight. Like it's still a bit of a fight because like like from his point of view, like he's not doing this because he's trying to like he doesn't know how much work is involved. What he is doing he clearly does. He, he has his own does. motion capture studio. Right. Stage, like he, he completely company. understands it. What he all what he does understand also is that nobody knows how much work goes into this shit and they assume that his like that there is no performance essentially like it's done on computers so it's like nobody actually does this right like and so like the, that the that the the credit is so diffuse and given to essentially technology as opposed right. to anybody who worked on the fucking thing at all which right. has always been the case with the vfx which right. is like you know just like oh the computers, computer wizards yeah computers are easy they make it easy i'm like they i i guarantee you that's a no that is a no. yes <laughs> that is an absolute no yeah the amount of like you know like look at this when they used to make miniatures it's like you know when we modeled cities in cg it's the same yeah you still gotta fucking do the work sometimes it go way more detailed in cg <laughs> exactly and so like you don't just I, spray like, paint it and it's done I, way, I give i give andy circus the credit of, of like he is trying to tactically get around the fact that the academy is a bunch of old people 
who don't know anything about how this is done. That's the case with most of the country. By the yes. way, I am going to say that today I have found a very exciting beer that I'm excited to try. I normally like this, uh, uh, you guys, uh, um, uh, Golden Monkey beer. Yes. Right? Right. But they have uh, made a, a Christmas version, which is called, uh, called the, the Merry Monkey. The Merry Monkey. Victory's Merry Monkey. Look at that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Now you can see it. Yeah. I like that old, uh, like that drawing style. What does that run, remind me of? What is that? That, uh, that drawing reminds me of a certain character in a film. I can't. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is it Grinch? Is it the Grinch? The Grinch. He does it look a little Grinchy. Grinch. Look, yeah, you're can right. You see he's the totally... logo. Let me see. He's a touch Grinchy. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Right? I like that. It's like this guy's work. Dr. Seuss? Hear it. Oh, guy. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, gorillas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's spectacular. Anyway. I love it. But yeah, a little Grinch, Grinch flavor. Very appropriate. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I, I, cause I was, uh, I got into a debate with a friend of mine who is also in VFX about this, uh, the, the, Ooh, what we were just talking about. And mm -hmm. the um, got some cranberry uh, and orange peel and cinnamon and nutmeg. Nice. That's that is a virtually a Starbucks beer. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Starbucks beer. It's a Starbucks beer. It's like, yeah, it definitely has cinnamon and nutmeg in it. That's, that's right. for sure. That's right. But what I said in uh, Andy Circus's defense, right, is that actors feel free to take full credit for their performances all the time. Oh yeah. And the reason yeah, when, why when, the performance when, is good is because of the editor. <laughs> yep. Meryl Streep can that. win or lose an Oscar with a couple of frame shifts. That is entirely <laughs> correct. All the shitty takes don't get seen. Like the accidental good stuff you recorded while they were fucking off on their, at their trailer. That's the stuff that wins in the Academy Award. That is mm -hmm. what happens. And like, when I say it happens, like, I have seen it happen. <laughs> yeah. I could make or break your career, Meryl Streep. That's right. Now, great, great actors supply great material, but like the, the final, the final, the final say mm. is the editor. And, the, and, and to be fair, like there are great, I've seen like uh, great uh, performances get recorded and then destroyed by a bad editing. So like, it, they, well, that that's, well, like everyone has to do a good job. So, yeah. you know, it's a team sport. All this is it's a team sport. sport. Right. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, how you say it. Are but, you guys uh, still on um what's it called again? Slack? I am Slack is yeah, open. I'm on Slack, yeah. Very good. Yeah. Here we go. Check general. general. Check in general. Check in general. Yeah. Sorry, would you we need to uh, uh cup layout? Oh wait, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I, yeah, see, yeah. I see. I see. Oh, yeah, I like that. That looks cool. Well, you right? see, oh, like we can't. Light. Yeah, well, that's yes, but Eric, that's, that's not fair. To, not fair for our audience when we're performing for them right now. <laughs> that's true. Okay, so what we're looking at is a possible cup design uh, yes. for everybody in chat and who is listening. Um, that is a variation on our excellent uh, and quite beautiful poster design and uh, shower curtain design that Eric has just recently put up at. Our website, www.martinidurant.com. Go to the store, takes you to Threadless, and we have an incredible movie poster print of us mm -hmm. uh, that is designed to look like one of the uh, films that we watch for a watch party that I guarantee you, you have not seen, called The Destructors. It's the, uh, it's the Italian poster of The Destructors. The Italian it's based poster. on the Italian poster of The Destructors. It's fabulous. 
in fact, I would say it's slightly better than the amazing design already in the Destructors post. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah no, I'm, there's a there's a lot of for those of you who are followers, there's tons of like where's Waldo moments in embedded in the poster yes. everywhere. Yeah, uh, it's a glorious bit of work, and everyone should go to www.martinigiant.com store. And, and you guys know how quick Eric is at turning around these types of things. This one, he actually spent like two or plus weeks of love on this poster. Yeah, it's glorious. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, he's in. Uh, so right now, it's, you know, this is only us. We're privy to it. It's in our Slack channel. We are looking at new designs that he has been working on. Uh, and Eric knows, I mean, Eric also loves Mac, but he knows how much I love Mac. I'm looking at a design right now of me in the car in Mank with Gary Oldman. And it's a beautiful, uh, snazzy little comp. That needs to be turned into a giant beach towel that you lay on. This is a beach towel (laughs) extraordinaire. I have never looked so good as I do next to Gary Oldman playing a 35-year-old guy. This is amazing. Yes. (laughs) Coming your way, Martini Giant. A whole bunch of new artwork uh, that uh, you're going to be very excited to see. Yeah, um, all right, let's get into our podcast. So a couple yeah, of things. We got first a good of all, podcast coming ahead. We yeah. do. We have Excited. first of all, thank you, uh, Mr. El Ray, joining us uh, uh, again. It was great to see you. We know you're joining us. We believe all the way from Malta. So uh, you'll probably not stay with us for the long haul, but at least thank you for joining us for the beginning. Absolutely. Jason's with us as per usual. Nice to see you again, Jason. Mr. Jesus Payaso is with us. Nice. Uh, and True Dalbert is also with us. Excellent. Welcome all. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Those people I know so far. So thank you for joining us uh, as we get this thing started. And we, I'm sure more of us people will join as we go. Hold on. My phone keeps beeping. I just want to make sure it's not something urgent on my sides. Uh, Meteor headed towards the earth, like in the new DiCaprio movie. Well, yeah. Well, he's at the park with his friends and he, I kind of just left them there. Yeah. So, you know. In case something happens, I just gotta check my phone. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. <clears throat> um. Anyway, uh, today we are going to be covering. I am very excited to talk about this, but I have one admission to make. Mm-hmm. First of all, the two movies we're covering are very, very good, uh, excellent pairing. I think actually, I think mm-hmm. I think that was your pairing. In fact, in fact, I didn't notice until you pointed it out. This is actually in our an Arquette double feature. Yes, it is. <laughs> that was it a Chris is. call. Yeah, I did call this out. I basically said, hey, you know, I love bringing out the dead and after hours. But then I realized like these films are unbelievably related. Yes, they're very, very close. So bringing uh, after hours is from 1985, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it is uh, quite a wondrous, uh, very dark comedy in a lot of ways and very mm-hmm. strange comedy. Um, and uh, very strange, which I kind of like about Sc- Scorsese doesn't always do strange. He does. Yeah. Yes, gritty. He does, he does gritty. What, these are two of his weirdest movies. No. Which uh, one is uh, okay? Go ahead, Eric. Um, uh, this is right after King of Comedy. Oh, okay. And there's this yep. whole pass of like, and Woody Allen at the same time did one of my favorite movies, Broadway Danny Rose. Broadway and it was Danny really Rose. the legends like really go down this kind of uh road. But what's really interesting about uh after hours, I actually saw it in the theater in New York. It wasn't Lincoln no, Center, but perfect, it was around yeah. there. And I remember a friend of mine was like, dude, there's this movie. You will totally, it's up your alley. And so I went to go see it. And because it was not playing where I live in Connecticut, just outside the city. So I went to go see it. I was like blown away. And I could not, t- I was like, 
it was such a great narrative and I just, it was the kind of movie I just loved because, and I was so excited, so excited. And I remember seeing Beetlejuice and I saw it so many times in college in Pittsburgh. And I remember reading, I was like, man, it just had this vibe to it that I remember from After Hours. And of course, the, both movies had Catherine O'Hara, but what was interesting, I had heard that this film was offered to Tim Burton. Oh, no kidding. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, I had read that not nah, probably that like five, been 10 a years whole ago. different path for him. And he was like, wait, Scorsese's interested too. Just let him do it. I'll do Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Well, oh, interesting. Legendary. What if Scorsese did Pee Wee's Big Adventure? (laughs) It was originally offered. Now, I also felt like he then did the 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 Christ movie with the foe, and then no fucking basement in the fucking Alamo. (laughs) Um, But Goodfellas. But there is some shooting in that movie that is Goodfellas. Like when he answers the phone, he's in that apartment guy's apartment Mm -hmm. who thinks it's a pickup. And the way they zoom in on the phone was the exact kind of move with Karen. Yeah, the I got to go to Kennedy. Yeah. You know, right. like oh yeah, cocaine, yeah, 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 it's the cocaine, the cocaine, cocaine yes. dive. The cocaine dive. <laughs> it was exact it's, same yeah. shot. Moving and zooming. And then at it the was George time. Harrison. Do, 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 yeah. So before we get too much into yeah. the actual movie, I want to say so just contextually say what we're pairing. Thank you, good guys. That was a great show. We're pairing. We're pairing this with bringing out the dead, which I don't. Very few people have seen. I saw it in theaters. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on it to, uh, once I've seen it again, I will tell you that specifically mm-hmm. why, uh, but that was from 1999 starring Nicolas Cage and Patricia Arquette, as opposed to Rosanna Arquette, yep. who was in the other one. <laughs> Rosanna. And so, uh, so what, here's what I got to admit to you. So I, 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 I finished, that. that was her. I, yes, I didn't know that. Yes. Toto and Rosanna Arquette. I get it. Uh, 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 bringing out the dead. I just rewatched and I have, like I said, a lot of thoughts on that yeah. after hours I saw like three weeks ago. And that was the thing that got me thinking about like, Hey, let's watch these two movies together. Mm-hmm. But I didn't rewatch it recently. So it's not as fresh in my mind. <laughs> That's okay. And, it's a, so it's, it's not quite a Scruggs. It's not quite a Scruggs. <laughs> it's a semi Scruggs. That's right. Semi Scruggs. Totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So, but I did, I did a, a lot. And I still remember obviously a lot. Right. of it and no, i hadn't so, seen it, it when i went we watched it three weeks ago i hadn't seen it in like you know 20 years or something yeah. like that so it was no, i think that's fresh enough that's okay well it's yeah. enough to talk about it anyway i mean yeah. most of the time when i'm talking about a movie it's not like i just saw the fucking thing you know i'm just like yeah you know it's you know, if i'm talking about citizen kane you know I'm yeah you don't kind of need to talk yeah. about that like you just exactly saw. come on um but yeah no these uh this i these movies may have awakened for me a little uh scorsese binge-a-thon i might be yeah, like you almost want to go through his, now. you want to go through it chronologically, like, right. you know what I mean? Because like the two directors that I've actually been, as I, you know, like. Uh, when was Raging Bull? Raging Bull the is 80. 80. They shot it in 79, it was 80. Yeah. And uh, like when I, when you, because there's, there is, there is one uh, Scorsese film that I have not seen. Uh, and that is, uh, or at least I have not seen all of it. Uh, and that is Silence. And uh, I've been told that it is terrible, and I've been told that it's one of his best. So I, I'm ramping up to see that one, and then rewatching these two, I'm just like, yeah, it's time for a big like, right? I think big, he deserves some. It's like the big problem. Dive. I, the problem I have with Scorsese is after The Irishman, I was like, I'm done. You know <laughs> what right. I mean? I was like, right. whatever. 
See, I know I do. I really do love the Irishman. I, I think thought the Irishman was fine, but it yeah. looked, compared to these two, you're like, oh, oh he was a weird filmmaker, right? As yeah. opposed to, yeah. well, I'm just bringing back, you know, De Niro and Pe uh, Pe Pesci. Well, and, the thing is, like, I think that the <laughs> only the, we talked about it before, obviously, but like the thing, the the only issue I really have with the Irishman is that they really should go back and redo the aging effects. Like Proper. that is like because they they are it is so hard to follow and so distracting because you can't tell when things are actually happening because like, they don't look like, good that this looks like shit you know this is this is just bad this doesn't it looks work. like it looks like bad makeup honestly yeah speaking. like they're they're doing their best i understand this is like a it was a risky thing to try and do didn't work well you know? no here's a problem and honestly speaking listen they know they knew that there was technology out there that was superior mm -hmm. to this uh they didn't they I just, did yeah, so they knew about deep fakes by then, right? right? But they yeah, they sure. just I think that they were stubborn about it. On I really do Legato? think they were stubborn. Not Legato, that well, whoever <laughs> the, the VFX supervisor on it was. It wasn't well, like I know that, that like I think you, it was Rob Legato. I think that there's uh, you have no, there's, like, there's well, a limitation. Maybe, maybe. it's the, Rob Legato, dude. You say <laughs> like I think that there's yeah. A, I, I guess it's true because he's done all the Scorsese thing. He did Flight. Flight was right. Scorsese too, right? Yes. No, that's uh, Zemeckis. Oh no, uh, he you did the thinking? aviator. The aviator. That's what I was thinking of. That's yeah. Scorsese. Like the, another the, plane crashing thing, <laughs> right? But like the, I think that because you brought it up before, there like there's a slight technical limitation they were running up against because there's a limit to the resolution you could do a deep take at the time that would have yes like, and no hemmed it in and made it like it, it, it's not it's not quite as cheap and easy a process at that moment that. They had to make a decision. They it's not to, just like, about being to... cheap and easy. I'm talking about right. just being a better result. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a much better. It's a thousand times better. Like, right. literally, it's like, I don't know why they even bothered doing it the way that they did it, because it clearly didn't work. They should have done deep fake. Oh, but they try the... to convince themselves. This is the problem with all work. digital human yeah, but stuff. But once you they make convince it themselves, they, they talk themselves into it. <laughs> they talk themselves into it. Yeah, right. I like... mean, I'm sure they all looked at, you know, digital carry fish and said, that's perfect. <laughs> It ain't. It looks like a blow up doll. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, and, don't lie. But that's the thing. They're like, that looks great. Yeah. Don't lie to yourself. It's no. the yeah, hardest it's, thing not to do, but don't do it. They're relying yeah. on whoever's advising them. And whoever's advising them is probably kind of scared of them because, yeah. you know, you know, sure. it's ILM. Well, I mean, Scorsese yeah. was on record saying that when he was doing the Irishman, that he was concerned about the effects. Like, he he's was. like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. You know, like I think that it's too. Well, bad first of all, you can't that. even ask an eighty-year-old guy to beat up someone and look like he's twenty-five. He doesn't. Yeah, you know, you have to redo the whole fucking thing. I mean, he's got to be a young guy with a junior a face on him. Like that's mm -hmm. the only thing. Like this movie, the Irishman. I think Irishman is a great movie that is the radically hampered by those visuals. Like because it, like it's relying Why did they on do it, like they did Godfather too. You know, De Niro was in that. Just cast you a know, different dude. Brando. He played yeah, Brando. It's fine, just yeah. cast a different dude. And then well, you guess like. Otherwise, it's very, very difficult to emotionally. Here's that. here's the problem. Like just logistically speaking, right? The way that deep fakes works, and you guys kind of know this, but I might as well outline. And the way the deep fakes works is basically it's not necessarily like you're swapping faces. You're taking the face of the B actor and morphing it by sh right. shifting pixels into the other face, right? So the problem is the person on the B side has to drive all the performance. So right. whoever represents young De Niro who doesn't have the face of De Niro yet is actually the person doing all the acting. Right. Has yeah, to I wasn't saying actually replicate De Niro. I was actually saying what De Niro did for Brando was that he played young Brando. Yeah, it's a different actor playing the same character. Right. Like that works fine. So, so, but here's, fine. okay. All right. All right. So, all so what you can do is you can take 
old De Niro and morph him into young De Niro. But that mm. doesn't completely work for the body movements. That's because he's problem. old. Because he's old. Yeah. Because like you still have old man movements, even though you have a young yes. face. And so like he's kicking the shit of the guy on the curb, and he's got a young face. It looks like it's a young guy who has some very serious spinal problems. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like they 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 just like because I think the impact of the Irishman, uh, the Irishman is a very like I, I don't mind that it's slow. I love that it's um, a, a real, especially like the last twenty minutes of that movie are terrific, and like it's all about the build up to the last twenty minutes. Yeah, and it like it, forever if, to they, get there. if they if they had uh, if they had structured it better via the visuals, then it would have more momentum going into the end, and then it would have really landed as well as he wanted it to. Like I don't think it's a he flaw. Also, Second, do you think that they also were probably like, you know what, this is probably the last time all these legends are going to get together. Oh, of Let's course, just roll with it. Yeah, of course. But I mean, like the scenes are, I mean, like the scenes land. are great. I think yeah, Irishman's no, loaded with great it's, stuff. It, does, it feel, doesn't have the flow yet. And then it's because, because you keep on getting hung up. Like, it feels just, like, like a Martin Scorsese reunion special. You right. Know well, I mean? I mean, like, I, I think like where he's like, where his filmmaking gets <laughs> away from, like the movie where his filmmaking gets away from him to me is Hugo. Like oh my Hugo, God. Hugo is kind of a giant mess and I don't like the movie. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck is being it's said It's an here. interesting concept, but it doesn't really have strong direction. Now, now yeah. I'm saying this, now defending Bringing Out the Dead, which is fucking all over the place, but uh, with, by design. Uh, by, by design. By design. Yeah. But like, I, like, I think that, like, the watching these two movies, really, I was just like, you know, I am as aware as any other film nerd that, like, Scorsese makes a wide range of stuff, right? Right. But, like, like, you know, when I think of Scorsese, I sort of think, you know, well, obviously Casino, Goodfellas, blah, 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 you know, like this kind of stuff. And then I'm right. like, oh, shit, he does all these other weird things. Yeah. I really should give more attention to them because mm -hmm. this is actually where he does some of his most experimental and fun stuff. Definitely. You know, and I think that like his uh, his work in like his work in the 70s is hugely celebrated. But I think I'm actually more of a fan of his 80s. mid mid 80s work. Like, yeah. I, think I like from. For me, it's um, Raging Bull all the way to Goodfellas. Yeah, it's like such a run. Man. I and like a little bit of New York, New York, and a little bit of Casino. Yeah. It kind of frays out a little bit yep. of great. Casino, I can, Casino is a good, isn't bad. It's not as perfect, uh, like in that style of movie, not as perfect as Goodfellas. Goodfellas is still to me it's like, let's just bring the legends together and let's have fun. But like Casino, Casino, if if there was no Goodfellas, Casino would be rightly recognized as one of his great films. Like it's a great film. It's just when I don't think if there was no Goodfellas, would, there would be no Casino. Well, that's true. But I'm just saying, like you absolutely <laughs> separate them. Yeah, he almost makes mind. it a sequel. It's almost a sequel. Yeah, it to is Goodfellas. like it's certainly a tonal. It sequel. is. It's, yeah. by, it's by Nick Pelleggi. It's the same guy who wrote the screenplay. Right. Like they're making. Let's do another one. Let's do another Goodfellas. Except uh, let's make it about the casinos and. And, it's, and, and it, but it's fucking great. I mean, it is yeah. a great movie. I mean, like it is a like, good movie. And yeah. like I think that it's it's nearly as like it's like seventy percent. Sharon quotable. Stone was fucking awesome. She's great. Everything like I and like actually like the thing there's a there's a revolutionary little gag in that movie that I absolutely love is like the idea of having two narrators between Pesci and um, and oh, yeah. uh, De Niro is fantastic. And then when Pesci dies, alert, when he is killed, he is in the middle of narrating. <laughs> like he gets a yep. baseball bat to the head in the middle of going just like anyway where we go ah and he actually screams in the narration. I was like 
I've never seen anything like that. That was brilliant. You're right. Absolutely brilliant. Completely brilliant. Um, I forgot about that. I I have a lot of love for Casino as well, but like Goodfellas is obviously. Okay. It's it's legendary. There it is. So, 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 so get it back on topic a little bit. Not Mm -hmm. that we need to, but just to, just to try. Um, uh, For those of you in the chat, just let us know of these two movies, After Hours and Bringing Out the Dead, which one have you seen? Uh, My guess is most of you are going to say After Hours or, or say neither. Uh, uh, and I yeah, doubt that any of you have that. seen Bringing Out the Dead. If you haven't, uh, or have or not, let me know. But anyway, let us. I am. Know. I'm certainly shocked that how. I mean, like, I don't know why Bringing Out the Dead just got sort of swept under the rug as a Scorsese, just as a as a movie. Like, it's just nobody saw it when it came out. Nobody cared. About I did. It. <laughs> like, it was just like it just sort of disappeared. Nobody talks about it, and almost everybody I talked to about it has never even heard of it, let alone seen it. And I'm like, this is literally one of his best films, period. <laughs> like, I, like, there's not even an argument for. It. I'm just like, this is such no. a revolutionary, bizarre. And, film. and and Nick Cage is the perfect. Cast. It's unbelievable. <laughs> this movie is just simply unbelievable, and I can't say enough good stuff about it. But nobody's seen the goddamn thing, so I can't talk about it. Yeah, um, and the shooting. The, this movie, holy the, smokes! The shooting. I, I'll actually, if you just watch it for the shots, the the high speed shots. It's insane. Of, the, of of the ambulance driving it at night. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, this is this is a movie I have ripped off and I will continue to rip off for the rest of my life. Like it's it made such a mark on me, I couldn't even believe it. And I, yeah. and like when I think about the context in which it was made, like when it which it came out rather, it's like there were a lot of movies in the 90s that had this that were attempting this look. Like Spike Lee makes like clockers kind of looks like oh, this. Yeah, yeah. You know, like saying. you know, like there's a sort of like the the super glowy white light thing. Mm-hmm. Spielberg gets into it with uh, the balloon. Yeah, yeah a lot of AI. Yeah, like yeah, Spielberg AI. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like so, I think they just sort of like I think it just sort of fell together as part of that thing. Um, and some of the some of those movies are incredibly good and beautiful. But like bringing out the dead now that like it's you know decades later, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, this is a completely unique looking movie. Like yeah. it uses that style in a totally different way. And the way he represents New York is competitive with Taxi Driver to me. It is. I'll did you did did you did you did you did you guys notice that the woman that uh, uh, what's the name uh, the uh, the rim vines or uh, Bing Rams Bing Rams flirts with on the thing is Queen Latifah? Yeah, it's no. pretty great. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, there's there's lots of great like uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, bit parts by actors I love uh, in this movie just yeah show up randomly. Yeah, but yes, yeah, yeah. these these two movies definitely represent like a a a filmmaker who is uh like I think Filming concerned control. about holding on to his greatness. And so mm-hmm. he just like winds up for the big hit and he hits it so hard that people can't even recognize how can't even it, yeah, it's it can't clock it. Okay, first of all, <laughs> it's it's a it's a challenging film to watch. Mm-hmm. It is specifically because if the subject is so challenging mm-hmm. and that's the whole point is how challenging this exercise is emotionally that's going through. So, but we'll get to that in a second. Yes. I think we should go through this a little bit because I think these films are again, things that people may not have seen, especially those who listen to podcasts. Sometimes they just get lazy and they just don't want to watch the movies. Not that I'm saying you should, I'm just joking. I love you guys, <laughs> but we should walk through this uh, a little bit. So because <laughs> 
I think we should start with after hours because mm -hmm. chronologically it makes sense to to put uh, uh, you know what 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 that is. And Eric, thank you for that uh, story of uh, of um, uh, Tim Burton being possibly directing this. It totally makes sense if he had done it. I could see this as a Tim Burton film in some yeah, weird for way, sure. for sure. Uh, but it's interesting that it's Scorsese and how he ends up dealing with it. And Scorsese doesn't like he i mean he does there's comedy in his films mm -hmm. but this is this is kind of like okay we're going to give like a comedy that could potentially just be a pure slapstick comedy and make it weirder weird. and awkwarder <laughs> and very, weird. very very weird yeah. so uh so let's feel it feels dangerous the movie feels right dangerous. Yeah. but essentially this is a story of one guy's journey uh at night Mm -hmm. like throughout a night uh lost in greenwich village yes right so that's so uh -huh. sorry so and so uh so let's let's go through this story quickly and now i like i said it was three weeks ago so some of the details may have evaded me but i'll try to remember this i believe it starts with him in a restaurant right am i correct no it starts with him at work with bronson pinchett <laughs> yes. oh, okay, right, right, right. So go ahead, keep, keep going. And then he basically is sitting with this guy. So he's teaching him how to use the computer. I guess he's in. Oh, right, player. right, right. And then right. he says, "Well, look, I'm not really into this. I just am. I, I want to, uh, you know, I want to have my. It's funny. He's like, I want to have my own magazine. I'm like, I want to do the editing or you know, pick everything, but just to give the writers an opportunity and let somebody, you know, help me pick the right. proper writers. And right. you know, and it's just like he stares off, and then he goes two he leaves work and he's like this is what i'm stuck with and then um he goes to the cafe and that's, that's the cafe he, right and that's where he meets yeah he like, meets rosanna arquette, rosanna arquette. and yep. she's there being flirty and flighty and over uh, a henry miller book there's over, there over, are very yeah. small bright red flags oh yeah <laughs> do you guys do you guys remember do you guys did you guys ever watch the snl commercial called red flag you ever seen oh, no, <laughs> no, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Oh, it's so good. It's what's her name from uh, from uh, uh, Bridesmaids? Um, Kristen and, Week. Kristen yeah. Week. and she yeah. basically shows up to a party, and it's 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 all very dramatic, like a perfume commercial because it's a perfume commercial. Mm -hmm. But the brand of the perfume is called Red Flag, Red Flag. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, You ask her what she does, and she says, I'm a dancer. Red flag. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> her ex-boyfriend was a bouncer at a nightclub <laughs> red flag <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah. so yeah so there's a bunch of red flags that happen here however he is uh enamored by her and she gives him her phone number or her address i don't remember she does something she gives him something she gives him his her 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 number tells him the number Right. right, and he tries to write down in the book that he's reading, the Henry uh, Miller, Miller book. Yeah, right, but his pen's out of ink. Right, and, <laughs> so <laughs> yes, like yes, this yes. is sort of like the comedy of the movie in a nutshell. Yeah, and she's like three steps away, tells him the number. He's like, yeah, no, I got it, I got it. And he's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm gonna write this down. I'm out of ink. Oh fuck, I go talk to the red the the uh, the dude, the cashier, and the cashier is like doing some like weird dance routine, and you're like. <laughs> What the fuck is going on? <laughs> What's happening? You know, and so like it starts weird even before you get into the really weird. Like yeah. things are already like knocked sideways. Right. It's really, yeah, it's really well, it's the thing, it's like hits his it's his struggle, comedic struggle, 
of mm-hmm. barriers to get to a certain point. Like, yes. yeah. right. Do you guys ever have these dreams? I, I, I've often had these dreams, which is what this reminds me of, of I dream about doing something big. Let's say I'm going to go on a big trip somewhere. That's my dream, right? Right. And my dream is constantly about me trying to get Get on to the, the plane yeah, or whatever right. and constant yeah, little dream. obstacles yep. right. that happen so i never actually get to do it but i'm constantly trying to do that thing that is what this is like yeah he wants to get laid and it's wants, impossible and, and, and at <laughs> some point he just wants to get home he just wants well, to go and it's impossible <laughs> I, I think impossible. he's just trying to break out of where he is yes. because bronson yeah. pinchin talks about like he's very comfortable obviously it seems like he lived in like you know, Park Avenue South. And that building is the same building they used in Fisher King. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, yeah. That's Glitzy. On, uh, yeah, that's on Gilt- Central Park South in right. the 30s, early 30s. And it's got and, the, uh, the guild gates and all that stuff. Yeah. It's very, very beautiful. And I've so always wondered about... Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. No, you go. I was just always wondered about Fisher King because I love Fisher King. I've seen it once in theaters, and mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. And I'm wondering if it still holds up. I don't. I I don't know. I'm very. I mean, you guys know this. I'm a little. I'm just tentative. A little off on, on, on Terry Gilliam. On Terry Gilliam. Like, I'm not as on board as uh, most film nerds are, and I just don't like because there is he has done legit great stuff for sure, but uh, I I because I still I struggle with my feelings over because watching. of what you saw in the documentary. Yeah, okay. I struggle with it, and I and I know that I should look up because I always preach. You know, separate the art from the artist. But I was just mm-hmm. like, oh man, I've been those crew members. I've been that guy, and I take it really personally. And so I'm still trying to get by that. I I should go back to it and try and see if I can clean, right. cl- look at it with a clean clean mind. And, okay, uh, it's tricky. It's very tricky. But yeah, no, it's like that particular building, the whole area has like a not just a sort of like old New Yorky feeling, but like a really like deep money feeling, like from from outer space, deep money. And uh, it feels alien. Like it feels like this is like gates of heaven material, as opposed to a place where you would actually have humans live. And uh, and he's trapped there. You know, Griffin Dunn, who is amazing. Um, Griffin you know, Dunn, who has also played which characters? Uh, uh, Griffin Dunn is also. Uh, gosh, he's in. Uh, oh, American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London. He plays the the dead friend. Yeah, uh, yes. and uh, and he also uh, as we were speaking about the uh, the other day, Johnny Dangerously, he plays the lawyer. Brother the lawyer's law. brother yeah. and uh and he is brother brother not hysterically brother funny yeah. yeah and uh he's absolutely insanely funny and um i'm not sure why he sort of fell out of acting but mm-hmm. um i know that he was his sister is the older sister in poltergeist oh um, that got killed that's right that got killed and his and father so I, was very famous too uh yeah, yeah yeah that's right so like the dominic dunn dominic dunn yeah the writer yeah and so the so yeah, like there's a there's a lot of st- sort of a strange backstory also, to him. Yeah, but there's also like New York acting, you know, comfortable yep. New York kind of yep. world. I think selective yeah. on his things. I mean, right? Yeah, he comes yeah, from yeah, a pretty exactly. prestigious family, so the with a lot of tragedy, incredible comedian, and uh, he just sort of like only you know, there's a few things you can see him in, but he's he, it's a, it's a, a little bit of a rarity, and he is like the perfect like uh, sort of dumbstruck every man like he is like he's in really strange movies and he always plays these this guy who's just like you know the the Nerdy nice loser. guy the, yeah exactly the guy who you can relate to <laughs> you know? yeah but and there's still a very 
a elite quality about him. Yes. Um, and a blue you know, blood quality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, particularly the way when he's with like uh, in, in this movie with some of the characters, it's just like he very. Um, yes. He's not he afraid, his... but he's afraid because it's like yeah. a cultural division. And then you saw that when he goes in and Horst comes in, which for mm -hmm. me, I thought was funny because Horst, uh, I don't know if you guys know Horst P. Horst, who was a great photographer, um, but it was just, just reminding me. And by the way, all those outfits and those guys were so 80s New York. Do you like, mean this is your club. experience? This was your life at the same time, right? This well, basically the, the clubs the were all down there. I remember like, right. well, it wasn't far. Area was on uh, um, just right by there, uh, you know, blocks away, just past uh, um, Canal Street. But yeah, mm -hmm. there were a lot of clubs. There was a lot of stuff like that. I even did one of my first art directing jobs in a, on, in a loft that was about the size of that. And I just found the production photos literally in my portfolio, an old portfolio I found. Um, when, when Linda Fiorentino was in that space mm -hmm. and you know how big with the columns, it's right all down by like spring and grand, uh, right. before okay. canal street. And that's Soho before it was so in like 91, 92, I directed a film for a guy named Jim Mull. And I just remember I, we built, we made it that loft we had, it was about that size and it had the same columns and everything. And uh, it was owned by Gabrielle Mark, um, 100 Years of Solitude, Dan. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Gabriel Garcia Marquez's two kids. Right. And I think I've told this, they were literally, they were all strung out on heroin and all their possessions were in the center of the room and they would just right. come out of their room sometimes. And I just always remember it's this empty apartment with every possession in a pile. And they would just reach into the pile and grab a shirt or a CD. And, uh, and they're both dead because I looked them up recently. And I was like, God, oh. both children died. It was a brother, sister. And this was from one of his marriages. And they were kind of young. They were a little bit my age. So it was early mm -hmm. 20s. And and they, 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 they used to have scabs. On, oh, yeah. They used to have scabs. Yeah. One died of cancer on their, right here. Oh, I see. Right. And they used to just like wander in. And, yeah. um, but we shot the whole movie there. And it was just like that. But the same walk up. And uh, it faced the um, sewing singer building, the sewing machine uh, building. Yeah. Yep, yep. If you know Famous. where that is. Yeah. yeah. And um, But it was that loft and that smell on the wood and the creak of the stairs going up and right. at night. And uh, it totally, I love, and that's the same area where they shot, I'm babbling. Uh, what's it called again? Hannah. Hannah and her sisters. Same streets, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the, yeah, like the, all these, like all, like Scorsese in particular is really good at capturing like all of the heavy history that's embedded in all of this stuff. Yeah. I used to work at an art gallery, literally like two blocks from there in like 89, right. 90. And uh, it's such a, it's great part. Soho is not like that at all anymore. Sure. So it was kind of like memory lane, but yeah, I'm, not, I'm not even sure. I mean, I, the last time I was in New York was uh, September 2001 as a matter of fact so it's been a long time since i've actually been there and i have not been interested in returning um but i don't yes. know what it's like now pretty much at all like i, I know no. that it's radically radically different i heard it's um, just fucking it's horrible that's like really it's really bad I mean, all right I what are we talking about? about 
We're talking about um, uh, New York, that area that this is shot we're in. Just, sorry, Chris is monitoring the show, but and uh, I, I, and I like the 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 flavor that Scorsese is able to capture, like he captures sort of, that. Like, yeah, like there's the a there's a right. in the Soho area, like he like he doesn't like. Talk well, he does it. He does it. He does it. He grew up there. I know, but he does it in both places. Broadway. That's where he grew up. He does. He does Soho. And he does mm -hmm. Hell's Kitchen. That's what these two yep. films are about. One's about yep. Soho. The other one's about Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Right. And so and that's very important to put into context about this. And they're both what happens late at night. One's a comedy. One is not. Well, I could it's say. Kind of, it's still kind of a comedy, but it's a much more desperate comedy. <laughs> much more desperate comedy. But anyway, the thing they're, is. They're both spiritually desperate comedies. Yes. Well, one of them is literally like a slapstick comedy with weird dark moments and the other one is a weird dark movie with strange slapstick moments in it yes, as well right like it's kind of like a little bit of both but uh anyway his journey let's get back on subject his journey is uh about going to meet this girl and mm -hmm. one of the funniest scenes and there's a lot of funny scenes but it still has me cracking up him getting in the back of the cab yeah yeah with only twenty dollars in his hand is that what he had twenty dollars uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. For, twenty. For that's the only thing he had on him was mm -hmm. twenty dollars to pay the cab driver. Yep. And he sits in the back of his giant checker cab, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Is flying. Yeah. To an extreme yeah. down like a million miles an hour. Million miles an hour. <laughs> he and all the windows are open, so right. there's and he's it's like bouncing around in there <laughs> like like a like a like a ball inside of a bingo shoot. You yeah. Know, like right. this. Just literally bounce, yeah. <laughs> bouncing around, and he takes up the twenty bucks. <laughs> he holds on to the twenty dollars in his two fingers in his fucking hand, right. and poof, the it twenty dollars goes out the window. <laughs> goes out the window. Just yeah. that 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 is how everything starts to go really wrong yeah. from that point forward. Because now that's the only money he has. Yeah, and he can't get anywhere. There's no Uber. There's no anything like that. There's right. no like, yeah, pay it from your phone. Like he's it's, fucked. <laughs> like, he's yeah. Like, and oh, so the no, cab driver tells him, you owe me this much for the fare. And he says, you know, the funny thing is it fell out the window. And then he goes, let's get the fuck out of here. And he gets kicked out. And now he's in the middle of Soho. Yeah. Uh, clearly an area of New York. For those of you who are not from New York, if you're like on the Upper East Side or wherever he's from and you go down to Soho, that's like going from east berlin to west berlin i mean it's right. like at that time yes <laughs> right you have no idea like it's very different part even though they're both in manhattan like such a different neighborhood so to him he's completely lost the crowd specifically the kinds of people he's mm -hmm. around are very different right he's more like an accountant business guy regular life down there it's all crazy artists and performance people and strange different things going on right yeah. that's the right. whole point he's fish out of water literally that's it yeah, yeah. right yeah. right so that's what it is and so, the thing is like that no i would i would just uh pitch it out there to uh i may be nuts but i feel like you know and i because i always project this idea onto movies just to see if it rings any bells which is like is the filmmaker really making a movie about filmmaking because that is the what filmmakers mostly spend their time doing and so if you watch, what do you define filmmaking? The process, like, of filming? the process of the pro, like I, like I look at Last Temptation of Christ and I see, uh, uh, uh um, it's still there. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm just. I thought I think I said someone here. Yep, that's fine. The um uh, uh that I look at Last Temptation of Christ and that is a that is a movie about um 
uh, filmmaking and like to be more vague about it, it's a movie about becoming an artist because like the uh the like if you if you, you guys keep the, talking i'll be right back yeah you bet like if you remove all the uh religious iconography and all the story from it like uh defoe is like doesn't want to accept the responsibility of this vision from god mm. like like that uh that that the the he's plagued by visions that he doesn't want uh it it keeps him from sleeping. He doesn't know what to do about it. And he doesn't know how to get it out of his heart. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so he essentially gathers a crew together to make a statement. Uh, and it's very difficult and very dangerous and very hard to do it. And to try to get this, get the word out that he, that he has seen. And it's such a struggle uh, the entire time <clears throat> that he forgets that the reason he wanted to do it is because of the love he feels for it. And, uh, and so when he is uh, at the end of the movie, when, uh, when he's like, uh, when like he's shown like the, the last temptation, it's saying like, okay, so this is super, super hard. You know, it's hard to reach into your heart and express yourself in the way that you want to and uh, bring it to people. And there's, you know, it's like, it's devastating in all sorts of ways. But if you take that away from yourself and imagine living your life, as a regular schmo, you know, as a regular, regular person without this, is it, is that the life you actually want because it's easier or do you want the life of, uh, the painful life that you've chosen because it expresses what you love. And that's when he wakes up and says, of course, like, I'm sorry, I forgot that I love this and I want mm. to, I want to show the love of this. That's the whole point of it. And so when I see uh, After Hours, I'm like, this is a this is about a a guy who is, um, you know, this sort of like guy who feels sort of vague notions of wanting to do something deeper and more interesting, right? Uh, he's trapped in a shitty situation of complete banality, this corporate situation of complete banality, which is essentially what threatened to overwhelm any successful filmmaker goes up against that in the studio system. Right. And then he's like, I want to uh, enter the world of art. Right. Soho. And literally it's like artist after artist, after artist in this movie that he experiences. And none of it is pleasant. All of it is terrifying and everybody doesn't make any sense, you know, and he is not up to the task of being, but a could part you of also this world. say, yeah, but could you also say as much as he wasn't as part of this world, in in, in a way, like um, Patricia Arquette is lost and unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. He feels lost and unfulfilled, mm -hmm. right? Rosanna um, Arquette. Rosanna, Rosanna yes. Arquette. Um, he then goes to Linda Fiorentino, mm -hmm. and she's an art... She's an artist that... Um, Can we introduce people how this journey happens? Because if people have not seen this movie, it's not going to make any sense. Yeah, that's so true. As okay. He starts okay, no, no well, <laughs> just listen. He tries to find the girl, right? Yes. He, now he and knows... This, this leads him to find the girl. Right. Like, so he tries, he tries to, to find the girl. Right. He, this I, I just, it's, what I, it's what we do is we get into talking about the ending and the meaning of the film sure. and people don't I know what we're I, talking yeah, about. I understand. So, so to, this to, is an like, important part, especially the, these the films. Sort of like very shortly explain it is to these, say like the, right. the actual, there's no actual plot plot. There is like, no actual plot. Is, it's just there's one, a string of events yes. that one leads to another. Each one is worse than the last. 
where he digs himself deeper in the hole. He keeps feeling he has a way out. And then one thing, oh, if I just solve this one problem. Right. Right. So basically he he finds a girl, total weird shit goes on. Like you're walking into some weird artist thing. You don't know if people are on drugs or what's going on. No, they're all just crazy New York artists that are making sculptures of whatever or leather things or whatever. I forgot what was going on specifically, but and he's like, oh, well, that's interesting and weird. And then he realizes he's kind of trapped and he's trying to find the girl and the girls kind of disappears. And so then he tries to, there was a, a thought that would, oh, what was happening? Something about, he thinks someone got murdered. Is that what happened? No. no she falls silly. asleep. Yeah. Go Here's ahead. The thing. It, it's basically as he leaves work, he's in work and his, he's drifting because he's got obviously a guy he's trying to train. It's pointless. And he starts to feel it's pointless. So when he leaves work, he meets Roseanne Arquette. And then, you know what? He gets back to his apartment. He's like, I'm going to call her. Because you know what? I want that bagel um, sculpture that her friend right. makes. Right. So that's he goes what it was. down there to yes, see that's her. Right. His, and then all of a sudden, everybody with the exact same problems he has or different problems. Um, at first, he's like, he really is judgmental of these people. Like, oh, right. get me out of here. But then he's starting to realize he was not scared of them. He just wants somebody to get him out of hell. It was very much like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. Yeah, exactly. He could this never is, get out. This, because- this is an, this is a, this is an artist's version of an anxiety story. Yes. Right. And so it fits into what you're saying about a dream, Chris, it's just like that he is never going to attain what he really wants. Right. He's right. never going to like, like concrete bagel, by the way, that is New York. That is what right. it means. No, it's paper <laughs> like, yeah, paper mache. Just right. like this is like this is like he is in this weird constructed vision of New York and vision of Soho that he can't because it feels so hyper real. He can't actually ever be a part of. Like and so like the weirder it gets, the more alienated he feels, right? And the more he is actually becoming like the weirdos he's meeting, but he can't connect to anybody. Like it's he's he separates himself further and further and further the deeper he goes in yes and uh and so like he is radically changed by the experience and he sort of becomes uh a denizen of this underworld in the way that he uh you know sort of thing in the beginning he's like oh no it's gonna be this is gonna be fun in the end it's like this is not fun and i'm not fun and now i am trapped now i'm trapped all his (laughs) characters have that i mean henry hill and goodfellas was yeah. a person in a different world, even though he right. was part of it and wanted to be part of it, he never really was fully accepted or right. understood it, right? Yep. And right. in a way, scared of it. And that's the same way with this character. I feel this movie for Scorsese was, look, he won Best Picture, I think, for Raging Bull. Yeah. Then he does King of Comedy, which is more of a, he was way ahead of that, on that film, way ahead right. of Still way ahead of the time. Still that's fucking right, dude. It was mind-blowing. Yeah. And at that time, like, still is and the point is this movie when it was down to Bert, when i told you tim burton or him it was him saying look I'll, I'll take the i'll show the world the same kind of you know behind the door under the seams under the sheets not under the sheets but yeah a world yeah, that is you know behind the curtain right kind of filmmaker in a way and he gets immersive in his world and so i think for me it was him really just working out chops as a master filmmaker right. much like Scorsese did after Jaws, he did 
um, you know, uh, close encounters or right. stardust memories. There's a way a director says, I just got to get to what I'm good at. I'm good at people and showing this underworld right. and this kookiness and, and trying to mix it together. Can but I get I'm back still, to the story? Yeah, no, no, this is, this this is, is part like, of it. This, this is why is, he made it because he's is, about right. characters who never totally feel fit in. And at the right. end of it, it's the same ending as like Goodfellas, where he's like, now I'm just a schlub with a newspaper, you know, getting right. a newspaper. I'm here in the suburbs. But there's no and context to this. Well, no, like, this is what no, I'm wait, trying wait, to get wait, at. This no, is what no, I'm struggling so with. So what it was, struggle, wait, wait, Chris, wait. because the point I'm making is very, very pinpoint about Scorsese's style. It is. Once you see once you know the story, it is makes sense once you know the story. Everybody stop talking. I'm going to tell you what the story is. He gets trapped in Soho. He meets a sequence of artists and crazy people there. Each one is worse than the last. It makes it harder and harder for him to get out. He's desperately depressed and panicked. And finally, when he escapes, he's lonelier than he was when he entered. And that's right. And much like Henry Hill, who always dreamed of being people, look, We've already expressed and explained exactly what it is prior is that this guy goes in and it's just kind of evolves where he has no control over his life. Right. But if you look up from this, because we're talking about Scorsese's movies, mm -hmm. he deals with that guy who like wants to be part of it, is part of it. And in the end, doesn't really shouldn't really been part of it. And right. just like in this movie, After Hours, at the end of the day, he ends up at the same place he was just covered with shit. And he yeah. just sits down. It's like, I'm never sticking my head out that window again. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. It's like, this is a movie about Scorsese. This is about his yes. anxieties in that moment, right? And this is because... him working it out as a filmmaker because, right. honestly, he was between masterpieces. Yes. And right. he made Goodfellas. I mean, he made Raging Bull, and then he did Goodfellas. But right. everything in between was an exercise. Yep. And you say, like, so, like, every time, every step along the way for Griffin Dunn in the story, you know, is like, He's drawn into the next scene by something that is interesting to him, and then it's things are worse. And then the thing, things are worse. The, the, the thing, the thing that I think, the thing that I think is more is fascinating on the, in terms of the way that there is a there is a there is a plot that is very disjointed, disjointed by design. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting because you, as a as a as an audience member, are trying to follow along all the choices and loose ends. Because basically what's interesting is that he leaves this, there's a loose end here and he's got to keep track of that while he goes into this other direction, makes which makes another loose end. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> right. So he meets the girl, she's behind, he's leaving her house to go to do something else, trying to figure out where he needs to go to get the key to get the thing, right? right. Gets the key ends up in the bar, the bar sets him behind the bar, leads him to Terry Gar. Terry Gar does a thing and he has to go back to the bar. She's waiting for him there. Yeah, like there's exactly. all of this disjointed thing where he's like, okay, I've got to go here to pick up the key to go to the bar. Oh, I left the yeah. bar unattended. Terry in, Gar needs me. I in need video to go game there. terms, like it's like I have to go to a to get the red key then b to get the blue key to open the door to get the red key but then yes. i need the yellow key to open the door to get to the blue key to get to the red key that <laughs> is I, that is a thing i know i know we just said oh he just leads to a situation of a bunch of things that leaves him lost i understand what that means in the context of this but there's something specifically about how they construct that which one sure. is highly comedic yeah <laughs> very well, the very... reason why it is funny is because it, like these all appear as loose threads, but they're not actually loose threads. Like, right. 
like these are at like all of they're this all stuff, interconnected and they're so all way. interconnected right and, they, and so like it, it like he seems to leave a loose loose thread over here because he's attending to something over here while he's trying to pick up the thread from before right and that pulls on another string and but what my... like all these things end up constructing a trap for him Right. Like well, every yeah. every every new every new thread ends up sort of winding around him and in a different bad and way. And each one of those threads that feels loose and dangerously mm -hmm. loose mm -hmm. leads to his ultimate anxiety. Yes. Which right. gets worse and worse and worse. Like, oh yeah. shit, I have to go but, here yeah, and go like, there and go. And he's always running from one place to another. That's right. right. But if you track his whole journey, if you want to call it that, is that he starts off. And as a viewer, at least I, as a viewer, like I'm almost siding with him because he's like, look, I just am being polite and I'm trying to do this. By the time he gets to the guy who thinks it's a, a, a pickup, right? And he goes back to his apartment because he meets right. a guy on the street for help. And the guy thinks it's an, he, you it's know, they want to isn't up. it? Right. No, no, no. no. It's the, the guy with the beard who looked like yeah. a stage uh, theater lighter. Oh, like, right. Designer. And when they go back to his place, he's like, look, I'm new at this, but I want to try experimental sexually with you. And he's like, no, no, that's not it. By the time he goes on a rant with him, you dislike him, but you like the guy he's ranting with. Yeah, so he's right. tried everything. And as soon as he starts getting mean and desperate and rude, mm -hmm. you're, you're pushing him away. And right. I, honestly, I liked his character, or at least he was trying so hard to be polite around these kooky people. And at the end, you're siding with what he thought was kooky, but they're just real people. You know, yes. and, and yeah, he's right. insane and just clamoring. Duh, 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 duh. Right. And it was all this insanity. And you're like, dude, relax. Stop being such a brat. It's like, honestly, you totally turn against him. And everybody that he says they're crazy, you're starting to like, I like this guy. Yeah, and it's, right. it's, you start to yeah. like them more. Well, it's just, it just, and they're so, you know, even though they're all, quote unquote, and Eric, you can attest to this, even though they're all very Soho, right? They're all very different, mm. right? Like Terry Gar's character is like lost in time in a lot of ways and lonely and, not going anywhere right yeah, like with she her 1950s like hairdo right. they, they the make, 50s. yeah so she's <laughs> right. stuck in the 50s there's you know, so many people like that in yeah. her right and so she's just right. like she, she she's a waitress at a diner and she's she looks like a waitress at a diner in the 50s right yep and and she's got this lonely apartment and you know uh, it's it's weird it's a weird yep. situation and then you contrast that to the flakiness and the and 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 sexiness of Rosanna Arquette, and you're like, right. it's completely different, right? And, 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 so, the, and the aggressive bluntness of Linda Fiorentino, and right? Like, like all this really like jarring stuff, right? You know? And then you have this one, you have Terry Gar, who's like, so it's you know, it's very it's very enveloping. Like her whole scenario right. is very very enveloping. Well, it's also about her little like, close little life, <laughs> yeah, right? <exactly. laughs> And she's like very protective of that. And anyone right. who like threatens her is going to like, you know, get sued or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, and the, the rising stress for done, right? Like where he snaps at the, yeah, you know, what's her face? And like says, and like, he's like, bye, and like yells at her and he goes, I'm sorry I said that. Like he's like, he immediately yeah. apologizes for snapping, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, the, the, because I think that like what's, what's sort of brilliant is that like Riven Dunn is also an 
a giant asshole in this movie. Yeah, like he's he's oh, arrogant. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not like Scorsese is Well, he has a movie. sense of superiority in some yes. ways, yes. even though he pretends like he doesn't, but he yes. clearly does. Yes. Right. And like and like yeah, it's like that that Scorsese allows that to be true validates the movie itself. Right. Because well, it's like, like the guy is like, well, these are all just those kooky artists who live down right. in Soho or whatever. So like, yeah, I'll just play along for a little bit. But right. it turns out that he's the kooky asshole he's the kooky asshole exactly <laughs> like, that, like, like and i love the like i just love the way that uh this like fiorentino's sculpture which he literally yes. becomes right like yes he, like he literally becomes we can explain that in a minute but, so like, so she's uh just a, so she is uh rosanna arquette's the uh roommate right yes right and she's making she he's the he originally went down there to see her Pepe mache donuts I don't, or yeah, bagels, right? Pepe mache bagels, yeah, exactly, right. And like, yeah. and like the idea of like, like the fucking like the bed with the mouse traps around it, <laughs> the greatest images I've ever seen in my life. Just like warning signs. <laughs> That's so. It's really. I told. I think I told you this before. When I was at grad school at NYU, there was a guy I worked with, and who offline is the craziest story about his. I've ever heard, which would make an amazing movie, actually. Um, it, anyway, he and his brother in the early 70s bought a building on West Broadway, which it's worth shit tons now. And uh, he, I remember in the early 90s he, at school, he was like, um, because all the, the uh, uh, companies at that time were fading, but they were clothing manufacturing companies. And some mm. companies use vegetable-based dye. So the cockroaches would eat the vegetable-based dye <laughs> and mm-hmm. they would turn red and green primary colors and walk around. <laughs> and then they would walk through his apartment, at, you know, and he'd see That's these so like, bright That's yellow amazing. or blue or red things. And it was right where, um, it was a Prince and West Broadway. And it was the building on the left. And I'm sure it's worth, you know, 60 million now, but he bought it with him. And his right. brother started a famous fly fishing company. Right. Oh, which one was it? Um, it was out of Vermont. Uh, I'll look it up. Uh, if you give me some name, I'll, I'll look it up. So um, anyway, so that's that. And uh, I'll look it up. But um, Van, he was a great designer. And um, but he was but he had crazy stories. But it was that whole time. Look, going back to the thing. Not I, Orvis. Orvis has been along way too longer than that. No, no, not Orvis. But it's they make fly rods that are very. Uh, well, Orvis does too. But uh, Sage? No, not Sage. No. I'll know. think of it or I'll have to look it up. Because I told my brother to go buy someone. because he does. But the point is, ultimately, it's an upper middle class or a middle class woman that saves him. Yeah, right. Right. And like and the, at the end. Yes. And like the, and like the so the. To, for people that have not seen this, like the the way in which Griffin Dunn escapes is after like everybody's basically after it's a disaster. His whole evening is a complete disaster. Yeah, every, he, he everyone who's actually tried to help him, he has fucked over. Yeah, exactly. And they're they all want that they, they all want to they, they all want to say <laughs> because what he's done is he keeps he keeps trying to get help from people. And they mm-hmm. kind of fall a little short or don't act as fast as he would like. Right. That's so right. he moves on and fucks the person behind yes. him to get to the next person and then keeps fucking things over right. as he keeps going. And so, he keeps on thinking he's the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to like, no, I, I, this guy's not going to help me. I can dub is like, yeah, but they ask you to watch the bar yeah. while, like, come on, man. 
They were, they were there out thing. there to try to help you. Right. And you left the bar. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're the asshole. Exactly. And so like, <laughs> by the end, he is like, he has to escape and he is, and the only way out is to essentially hide as a piece of art. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and be wrapped in paper mache in exactly right. like the, in the in, do you like, notice that when he screams and gets angry, he sounds so much like Gene Wilder getting. Oh yeah, very much the same. Yes, kind of vibe. I yeah, just like, what the way Gene yeah. Wilder used to scream. Another master. Get, yeah, there was something about it. I was like, God, that sounds like Gene Wilder. But, but he's uh, like, he, so he he becomes literally trapped inside the same sort of basic scream object that uh, Linda Fiorentino was sculpting, right? And then is toted around <laughs> like uh, in the end of the movie, like. Now he is just the object of art that is being uh, stolen and dragged around, and Cheech and Chong, and like it's yeah, it's I so utterly ridiculous. Casting too, yeah, and uh, and then he falls at the back of that truck and smashes apart and is left at the beginning of the movie again, and uh, and so like what I was going to say is like what I love is how art is treated in this movie is pretty amazing because even when Fiorentino is making the thing. Like this is like the, this is the art, you know, that she is practicing. She's just like, I got to do this other thing. You want to keep on working on this? And he's like, like wait a minute. Yeah. I can't like, do that. She's can't. like, yeah, you can. Yeah, it's you like, can. Go ahead. You know, it's fine. Anything can actually do. It's just fucking paper mache. It's not a big deal, you know? And, and then, uh, and the dudes that are trying to steal the shit and it's just dropping it on the ground. I mean, like, it's like it devalues the entire process of art in the art scene itself. Well, it sort of validates the people that practice it simultaneously. And so yeah, like, he like, point. it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's such a clever way inversion of what the, what you feel the movie, like normally the movie would be essentially, and look at all these wackos who live in this strange place. And that's kind of true. But like you're saying, Chris, it's like, ultimately the, the wacko asshole isn't them. What it, you're the wacko asshole. <laughs> like you're the wacko asshole. <laughs> I like, thought that one of the funniest lines is when I think it was Cheech when they're loading stuff up. He's like, "You believe it, man? Like the only thing I bought that sculpture, it's stolen, man." It's, it's, oh yeah, what's that? He says like he has, it's a great line. He goes just like, you know, that's the problem with buying things. The people just gotta rip them off. <laughs> you know? like, so great. <laughs> but yeah, like this is the 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 glory of that movie is that like uh, Scorsese is not is is not uh content to take the easy path on that and be on griffin dunn's side you know he identifies with griffin for griffin dunn but he identifies with him for being an anxious prick and mm -hmm. and he's just like this is the story i'm actually here to tell is like is how i feel um in my yeah. desperate situations and how much of a ding dong i turn into when i'm just trying to get something simple done uh and i'm like it's a self-critical journey and that's what makes it a responsible movie because it's like you can, you know, you can make fun of people all day long. You know, that's 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 easy laughs. But instead, by the end of the movie, like you're like, I'm on the side of the people that you were basically making fun of. Like I'm, I've, I've, I've joined that cast, and I think it's funny yeah, that Jared Griffin Dunn is getting what he deserves. You, you essentially though, I, I feel like with Scorsese, he's this world brilliant director, world builder. Though he really oh, yeah. gets you into that world, and when he does movies that are outside his world, they fall apart because mm -hmm. he doesn't, you know, he's only, he only knows it because somebody told him the research or something. 
It's well, not... yeah, sure. Like with Hugo, for instance, right? Like, That's right. Hugo feels kind of fake to me. And it's no, like there's like, whereas like uh, New York, New York uh, is way more artificial, but feels less fake. And yes. like, and, and I, I'm not sure like where, what goes wrong for him there? Because like, I, and like, and to, to be honest, like even watching something is sort of like l- seemingly light as after hours, like the, the setting is so deeply rendered and I'm not even really sure how he's pulling it off because no one's explaining anything. Like he's just showing all the right things to add up to a particular emotion about this place. But the worlds are accurate and the characters in it are, you know, though his worlds are always so detailed and accurate. Right. right. And he also did one about an insane asylum, which I thought was like, it's like getting cathetered watching that thing. It oh was, uh, yeah. With uh, DiCaprio. Shutter Island. Shutter Island. I like, I like Shutter Island. It's, it's a good sort of fifties B movie. I think it was kind of fun on that level. But yeah, like it's it's a it's a manufactured movie. Like that feels like a that doesn't feel like a place. That just feels like a you know a studio construct. You know, uh, and I'm not I think painting. yeah, sure. You know, it's just like the uh, you know like you take something like After Hours, and actually this relates to what we we're talking about with Dune. It's like Dune is so good at world building because it doesn't stop to fucking give you an hour's worth of backstory on anything. Like you're just experiencing what the characters are experiencing, and that's why this feels full. And real you know and and like you're getting this little window here and this little window here and this little window here and you can see a little bit of what you saw over there from here and so you make up the space in between the liminal space is created by the audience and uh and i think that the after hours in particular is incredibly good at this it feels like a really big creepy strange overwhelming place um and it's a pretty low budget movie and there's and not a lot of time intentions were good stuff. right exactly you know, and he creates a real communal universe. They're just as lonely as he was. Yeah, it's, it's and really... he won't it's, even help them, but yet he's lonely and he's trying to escape on his own. And I think that you're right, Eric. That's just like, he uses this as like a, as a, as a, a test bed for stuff he does later. Oh, yeah. Some of the shots in, I forget. And then I watch it again. I'm like, man, that's a Goodfellas shot. Yeah. The way they like build he, the like momentum he, and the character. Yeah, that he actually yeah. tested it out first here. And yeah. then it becomes the He's famous a, a shot. Master between masterpieces. Yeah. No, these, I think are that's things, a great... these are him exercising. That's a, that's um, a great observation. So I always. Yes. I always just like Kevin it. Hart at Flappers. That's correct. Same nice. point. Good callback. Yeah. And so. Yeah, like, like is that, cause that really is. Cause even when you said like. A, he's and like sort of, Carrot Top at Universal Studios. Uh, Carrot Top. Afternoon those, those shot. Days. You know. I yeah. wonder if. Can Carrot Top make it. Like. I mean. If, if Dave Batista can become a serious actor. Can Carrot Top finally cross over. Like it you know, it's like... an interesting point, and I'm going to say this truthfully. You know, in the past year, I moved my daughter to go to school here in, in Orlando, and I see him jogging on the road. Um, How's sometimes. he doing? How's he looking like? And it's not a pretty sight. It's like he's hulked out. He's, he's had a lot of no work shirt, yeah. and with just really kind of 1970s Bruce Jenner shorts and yeah. his hair yeah. in a bob. You know how you put the band up here yeah, and then the rest right. pops out? It's very disgusting. Well, it's, it's sweaty stuff. It's it's more Chris stuff, but it's still. Yeah, he he yeah. turned a corner when he started juicing, and I was just like, Whoa, oh, dude, he's being juiced. Yeah, he's embalmed. If you can say he's embalmed, it's but you, my wife and daughter are like, oh, look the other way. Oh, man. I don't know what's going on for him. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but I bet like when I yes, saw like there was a, a moment when I was like, what the fuck is this? You guys are <laughs> acting just like Griffin Dunn in the yeah, movie where you're true. making you're right. judgment need, calls about people. You don't really know what's going I'm on. Making a house call, that's very Chris, true. Because that's I think you may be a very... really bad for you, and that's yeah. all I'm saying. 
I, I don't like, know I, why he's juicy. That's true. But I, I, I feel like the, it's the it's like when I see like people go down the plastic surgery hole when I'm new and just like, oh, no, like like a little bit. Sure. You know, like some small choices. Yes. But at some point you're like you're you've lost perspective, you know, and I think that that's that, that was than, funny because that was a huge part of uh, of Kevin Hart's comedy yesterday was specifically about people going a little out of control with, with plastic surgery, which was talk about that comedian. What's um, what's her name? She died on the bed. She flatlined right there doing it. Uh, no kidding. What's her name? Uh, you know. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, she was always on the red carpet. Yeah. Oh, what's oh, her name? Uh, oh, uh, Joan. Yeah. Joan, Joan Rivers. Yeah, yeah, Joan, Joan Rivers. Rivers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she died that way. That's too bad, man. Jesus Christ. And the stupidity of the doctor. I think the doctor, I don't know if the doctor got sued or lost their license, but they did that's a really a, stupid move during the surgery. No, I don't, I don't know anything about it. But yeah, like that's the, yeah, that's like, God. It's they like, tried to do a, apparently a doctor was doing the surgery and another doctor came that's also her doctor, but another part of her plastic mm -hmm. surgery. And um, so they finished the plastic surgery and she's, you know, obviously sedated and she says, mm -hmm. I just want to take a throat swab. So they he's like, really? You, I think as doctors, you got to lay out everything you're doing. Right. right. Like, it's just Make simple. Her plan. mouth is open. <laughs> Let me just get a throat swab. When they right. put it in the body, the muscles thought it was a foreign object. So they constricted. Yeah. And that was it. And they locked and she couldn't breathe. Uh, a, that's sad. Meaning, that's you sad. know, unconscious, her body was saying, oh, there's a foreign object. So they yeah. shut her throat right. and she couldn't breathe and died. Ugh, that's awful. That's too bad. She is, she's a very interesting person and a very smart but person. But she yeah. overdosed on yeah. the plastic a, yeah, surgery. Like, yeah, that, that whole thing is just like when you lose perspective on like, I mean, I think that would literally happens to everybody. Like you don't look like, you know, like when you feel poorly about yourself, you're seeing yourself physically different. And so like once you get further down that well i will tell like you it's, this it's really 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 i fun. i'm under the belief and i may be wrong that plastic surgery has gotten better mm -hmm. because sure. uh specifically uh digital beauty work lessens the need for it yeah thank god thank god yeah it's true and i uh, know you are very familiar with someone who does digital beauty work <laughs> say right. that again though, you're saying that because because they can do it, they can fix a lot of things in 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 post now in CG, like you know, take care of mm -hmm. laugh lines, et cetera, et cetera. There's less pressure for the actors to have those surgeries. Yes, but there's a lot of women who are you know get divorced with a lot of money. No, that's a different story. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. that, like, but literally, like agents would, agents would say, actor. "You right. got to get that fixed. I'm right. sending you to a plastic surgeon," and right. that's what sends them down the rabbit hole. So, there and, are actresses I've seen that are just natural. You know, they've aged, but they're just beautiful. It's like absolutely. you don't need to be like taunt like in Brazil. No, 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 no. no. But, that's, <laughs> but what you're that's talking a, about, Chris, is about the business of acting. Often requires you to make these kinds and now of they'll say don't worry we'll yeah, fix we'll it in do post. that digitally and yeah, you don't right. have to go to the, you like, don't have to actually go under the right. knife to fix those laugh lines right. right right and that's a good thing i think right but no no does it is it still you know managing the expectations of what people need to look like at a certain age yes it is but it's i think it's saving one it's saving people's lives like without a doubt. and and two uh it, I also think it's uh, um, 
it's extending uh, certain people's careers. That's what oh, term. yeah, sure. Right. Well, it's certainly for now. Like, I still have a problem with the fact that people can't accept someone that has got, you know, a, a wrinkly neck to be on TV. Right. That's sure. a problem. Right. I mean, that's always been a problem. And, and I don't know if, how to deal with that problem. There is, itself. there is no way to deal with that problem. Right. That is, but that, that is but, a solutionless problem. Right. So so and the, the, the thing that I find most interesting, especially when I've heard from from certain certain people in the in the celebrity status, shall we say, is that really what's nice about the situation where they digitally get fixed up is most of this conversation is happening in periodicals like Us Weekly and all the other mm -hmm. trashy magazines. Right. Look how good this person looks or look how bad this person looks. Right. Literally, that's what they're that's what they're fighting. Mm -hmm. And if they basically get fixed up, quote unquote, enough that it's not part of the conversation, right. then it's done. Then they don't have to worry about it. It's like, okay, great. And, You're yeah. not going to sit here and talk about my neck. Can we talk about how well I performed in the film? Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. And I think I mean, obviously, uh, you know, uh, women deal with this a million times more than men Worse, do in yeah. acting, right? Much more than women, but it does, it is, happens with men too. Absolutely. So, yeah. But the, uh, but like that, that's the thing is like these, like the, the problem with basing, like, uh, that the way that we look at movies, right. Is like, for instance, and I'm, I'm sure I brought this up before the reason why we want brad pitt to be our hero in the movie is because when we are watching a movie we are projecting ourselves into that person you know the hero we are projecting ourselves into being the hero that's what the gratification we're getting and we want to see ourselves as our best self like so you want someone who's incredibly handsome like not griffin dunn not griffin <laughs> not griffin dunn right if you if you cast griffin dunn then you're doing something that is critical of the audience like you're right. asking him to associate with someone who has Which profound flaws and right? raises your stress level. Now Which I, raises your stress level. Right. right. Which is the thing that you're, I think, all right, I, I got it. Okay. So here's the thing, right? That movie, I, I always liked the movies. A lot of people have problems with, uh, uh, we call it cringy movies of some kind, right? Like you think about movies cringe. like, right election cringe right some people have real problems with it they just can't right. manage it to manage it right. that well but like, i cringe i is one of my very favorite kinds of comedy yes but the things things like uh uh what am i thinking swingers is very cringy yep sure uh and and fantastic at it as well in fact it probably has the single best cringy scene i can think of oh the 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 the, the, the voice leaving the the voicemail scene. yeah the voicemail it's scene. Absolute yes. comedy classic absolute it's classic. it's absolutely the best uh yep. this he also did you guys ever seen it's interesting it's a little bit related to after hours do you ever see made yes, yes. yep same yep. guy yep yeah yeah it's yeah it's, but it's favreau and and uh vince, vince vaughn. vaughn right and vince vaughn is like just shut the fuck up and everything <laughs> right. will be okay right? right but it's the same thing that you see when you when you watch after hours it's like just 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 calm down yeah exactly. <laughs> and you'll, everything will be okay yeah. and you can't do it right so you that's can't like, let go you, you can't, can't let, let go. go right it's just it's just i'm sorry but anyway i do i do i do want to do a couple things because talking about the stress that's involved mm -hmm. when you talk when you get into uh bringing out the dead that's just brought to a completely other level yes but at the same time it's so much stronger 
in the mm -hmm. stress level that it becomes a surreal yeah experience like that movie is what i think of when i am hyper stressed out like the movie represents yes. the and i'm going to tell you the way uh, you see reality and i'm going to talk about out. between when i first saw it in 1999 in theaters and when i saw it today which is the second time i've seen it how that experience has been changed are we going to do get, that after uh, an ad break and we're going to do that after an ad break yes nice <laughs> like that all right <laughs> nice. those of you who have uh, just to give you guys the drill those of you who have subscribed to us uh, you will not get an ad break. You'll hear us rant for a couple minutes about uh, something. Those of you who haven't will get an ad. Always enjoy those of you who have ads to tell us what ads you have seen. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, uh, this is not to encourage you to not subscribe and watch ads, but to actually subscribe. <laughs> yes, please to consider us. subscribing. It's also very please good. consider <laughs> subscribing because that does help support our channel. And I know, I know most of you who are uh, who are basically on our chat have already been subscribers, which is we are all infinitely thankful for. But we would love to have uh, you as well. And if you are a Prime subscriber, you can actually subscribe for free for one channel a month. And if we'd love to be the channel that you subscribe for, so uh, go ahead and do that because it does help uh, pay our bills and we'd appreciate that. Absolutely. All right, now we're going to the ad break and then we'll get back into bringing out the dead, which I am very excited to talk about. All right, Excellent. so. Are you clicking? I clicked on it, so it's starting and I guess, uh, I don't know, it's just spinning, spinning wheel right now, but maybe, oh yeah, it started, okay. There we go. All right, All right. now it's official. Uh, okay, so that, my, my choice of topic is, have, have you guys seen Ted Lasso? on apple no i, I have and i don't have apple okay so you get, get apple see ted lasso there it is <laughs> okay like, that that is a that is an extraordinary and strangely beautiful show uh, okay uh, and i'm gonna one up that because i think this is mentioned before my my strange weird thing to watch which is mm -hmm. actually probably a little bit no no it's not quite, uh is uh at home with amy sedaris i brought yes that up as well yes. <laughs> which is extraordinarily bizarre. which is which is available uh on hbo max and to give you a little premise of the show it is basically amy sedaris who's doing a little bit of a um uh uh crafting and cooking show uh ella what's her name who am i thinking of famous yeah, martha, martha martha stewart martha stewart, stewart type yeah. show except it's it's basically yo gaba gaba for adults it's just yeah. weird shit it's that very happens. brash very strange very strange and right. huge amount of celebrity cameos, cameos that show up constantly throughout the yeah. thing like yeah. like uh, justin thoreau and uh uh, uh just a, a ton of people show up on the yeah show. this is it's in the same sort of brand of comedy as sort of like i don't know god what is uh like uh I want to say like uh it's almost david lynchy it feels like it's like it's so like it's like trying to be happy and carefree right but is actually mm -hmm. disturbing and upsetting and almost every episode someone is about to get murdered yeah. like i'm not even kidding you're like it's literally it's a crafting show where someone's yeah. about to get murdered it's like a, it's like a really freaky peewee's playhouse yeah like, and just just watch a couple episodes yeah. you don't if you have too much i've learned that if you have too much it's too much but yeah uh, but, but just, a, just a couple they're, episodes they're here and there it's worth it worth yeah. it yeah all right absolutely. we're back we're back we're back, we're back. Look at we're that, back. See? and now hey, look i'm getting better at timing that all right all right uh cool all right so 
I saw Bringing Out the Dead. I think I remember seeing the trailer to that. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see that. It was just something very trippy about the way that the trailer looks specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've acted, like I've said, I've always been kind of a bit of a Nick Cage fan in a lot of ways. So I've, I've stayed strong with Nick Cage. I, mm-hmm. like, he, even when he seemed to have lost his way, I was like, he's making shitty movies, but he's still incredibly entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> like, Did yeah. you see Pig yet? No, I had not seen amazing. Pig. Is it's it available on streaming, isn't it? It's on Hulu. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah Hulu. I, I just saw it. It's on Hulu. Okay. I haven't yeah, I hear seen that's it. one of his best in, in literally decades. Yeah, I, um, I actually do want to put some time aside of that. And that yeah. one's one that's going to be on a that's going to put a pro I should make a, a a list with a priority level and just start watching things at the top of the list. Right. Right. Um, yeah, Pig and, is, and Pig uh, should be up there. Very, sure. very beautiful. And he looks uh like he looks like it is one of his most invested performances. So I'm right. really excited about that. But yeah, like I've been like, like if you guys haven't seen the, uh, the color out of space or Mandy or any of that new stuff, like he is on a real roll right now. He's doing, yeah, I think he's doing wild. Some, I material. think he's having fun. Yeah. He's having a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know. Like in the, in the middle years, he was like, you know, I don't know. He had like a castle he bought that he's he lost. He's trying to pay off the taxes on it or something like that. He's doing all sorts of crappy movies, but even in those crappy movies, like he is still like there for it. Like he doesn't, yeah, wasn't he in the rock. Remember that one? Oh yeah. The rock. Yes. He's been, yes. He is in this action movie. Uh, he had an action Treasure movie Zone. phase, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Treasures like Island. And yeah, was, what's the, the con, uh, con air. Wasn't he in con, con air? air? Yeah. yeah and like i think that what's like those movies i con air is pretty fun and it's like it's the fact that nicholas cage has no business being in this movie that makes it fun for me like it yeah. becomes like commentary on itself that he's there Dude. like like Dude. with yeah, a long he, he hair a, and you're just like well eric and i what? worked on probably one of the worst movies i've ever worked on together and that was a nick cage film which one ghost rider yeah oh ghost rider ghost rider yeah but you know I, 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 it's christmas time and mm-hmm. uh one of my favorite christmas movies and you guys know because we talked about it before is uh family man i love no, it's that incredible film. incredible we spent an episode on that that movie yeah. is stunning we should like, do an episode on it we already I, did we did we definitely yeah. did yeah we did like and the thing is like family man is one of these like i love and, and uh, it's com- coming from someone you know like that thing like separate the art from the artist brett ratner fucking directed <laughs> that yeah, i, I can't it's i still great. can't handle that yeah oh, it's great just tell you something yeah. uh god i forgot it i was just so into what you're talking about but there was something uh, family man no, uh, pig pig we're pig, talking pig. about pig yeah and that's on streaming hulu, that's hulu. Yeah, yeah i saw it i want to watch that but there was another one that just came out but he uh he in particular i want to see pig i just i hope it's not let down ever oh uh, Power of the Dog. I've been watching. Oh yeah, Campion's movie. Yeah, I heard it's great. I, like I've been recommended it many, many times. Yeah. Yeah. So, and by the way, I do want to note that uh, Mr. Alan Schneller has called. I, I believe he was being very kind, but slightly calling me out on not trying to be so regimental about us me getting on <laughs> schedule. Uh, and and so I am going to be a little bit, little bit more easygoing on on there's everyone. a middle ground let, let the I conversation right flow naturally and do things room? like that yeah was that i think i don't see it in the chat room yes. yeah no no it's like he's he's he likes how the conversation to flow the conversation no i understand yes. so I, I no no listen I, i'm not it, upset I, I i am not upset alan but i appreciate the feedback because this is why i love Thank you. this oh. is why uh, this is why Thank i you. love yeah <laughs> chris <laughs> Was a touch DB. 
these things happen. Uh, this happens to me, obviously. Yeah, the, the, I, think that, I think Thank that. I think that the. Jeez. Uh, I think that there's Listen, a. Yeah, I think Eric and I are like so are very old friends, and we yell and scream at each other, which is and and maintain a friendship throughout that process. So I think that is a sign that we ultimately do respect each other and Not love true. each other. Not true. What? There's a. <laughs> I think that there's a there's a good middle ground that uh, you try to hem us back into, and I think that's appropriate. I think it's not bad. I think it's like sometimes yeah. we go pretty far afield. <laughs> it's not, well, it's not the bad thing idea is, like, okay, here's that. the thing, right? Like, and I'll just give some little context here. Like, I I do spend a lot of time. Like, I've I've had to, I've had to present my uh, present in front of crowds often, right? So I always have to have like the structured narrative story that I present a project in or a story in or whatever I'm doing, like try to get some structure to the whole workflow and mm -hmm. how is it going? And uh, Eric uh, is, uh, uh, you know, self admitted has a little bit of ADD and then can sort of going to be all over the place. Now he has amazing stories. Each one of them is incredible and it's kind of wonderful to just watch the fireworks which by the way is a fantastic scene in uh bringing out the dead we'll bring it up yes <laughs> bring it up but the fireworks of ideas that comes out of eric is a spectacular thing but it doesn't necessarily have a continuous thread so sometimes i'm just I'm getting I, better i know you're not it's not that it's not that it's just Don't sometimes i feel it. i'd like to i try to empathize with if someone's listening to the show and hasn't actually seen the movie it's going to be hard to follow along that's all i'm just saying that's all i'm I, just saying i think that's i think that's fair i think it's an absolutely fair thing to do and it's good to start because we, there's stuff that we want to get to in talking about the movie. That yeah, if we don't fucking get to it, we don't. Both you guys are so linear. Let's drive down and then we take a left by throwing in a little bit of that. It by grabbing it, the steering wheel and pulling super hard, sometimes it the, leads us to great places. Look, it's <laughs> exploration. True. You, you, it's the back and forth. Everyone right. needs, you know, for every Sinatra, there's a Rickles. There's got to be that balance. I got it. Oh. You For know my every favorite. movie, there's got to be a paper mache bagel. That's the, the, absolutely. Do you guys know my favorite Sinatra Rickles story? I love this story. Have you heard no, this story? Oh, so Don Rickles, as you know, famous comedian, mm -hmm. Frank Sinatra, famous uh, uh, singer, songwriter, mobster. and uh, uh, mobster. Awesome. Uh, and uh, they both lived in Vegas, you know, a la casino, right? And so uh, Don Rickles is showing up at a restaurant and he's there with his family. And uh, he's sitting down and he sees that Sinatra is sitting at another table. He's with a date, first date. Right. So Sinatra's at a table, another thing. And he kind of slips over to go to see Sinatra. He's like, hey, hey, Frank, listen, my, my family is here. And, uh, you know, I just, I, it's, it's so great to see you. Thanks so much. And I was like, do you think you could do me a favor and just stop by and say hi? You know, make it seem like I'm a, like I'm a big shot, you know, like just, just to let him know. And he goes, sure, sure, sure. Sure, Rickles, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, right? right? So then Rickles sits down at his table, his family, et cetera. Frank shows up, it's like, hey, how you doing? It's like, oh, please, I'm with my family. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Rickles is the fucking champion. Dude. He was the champion. Like, please, please, Frank, can family. you leave? I'm with my family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was something like, give it a rest, Frank. I'm here with my family. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. Rickles is like my, is the, is my hero of offense like that is the literal part because he is actually a very good and caring guy oh he's a know? fantastic yeah and, he's a little bit like what's his name um uh, rodney dangerfield 
Yeah, exactly. These are really, this is actually quite a very good, a very good, good, good people, good, yeah. good people. And like, and using, using people's discomfort to sort of like, you know, break open their attitudes towards things is, is sort of genius. And like, yeah. like the idea of telling Frank Sinatra, Frank, please. <laughs> like, that's just too much. That's he had, I'm with my family. All right. About Rodney David Field's life. I've read about his life. It's so sad and crazy. Sure. Yeah. It puts in context everything that he has said as a comedian like right. it's nuts like well yeah i really admire I me mean, like these people like it's like this is also true by the way for keanu reeves who's had like all sorts of crazy oh bad shit happen in his life and he just maintains he's just like i'm a very lucky person you know like yeah these horrible things have happened but he's like, a beautiful person yeah i'm i'm here now i'm i'm doing exciting things this is fun everything is beautiful i and saw like, keanu reeves damn I saw Keanu Reeves at the law in the lobby of the was it the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood? Is that what it's called? It's Roosevelt, yep, right? Roosevelt. Yep. He was there and and he was just he was with a group of people there and he was just casually just chatting and laughing and just and being easy. Yeah. Just being easy. And and he wasn't necessarily being yeah, approached by anyone, which people, you know, in LA they don't always go up and try to get your picture or whatever. But right. I'm sure if someone did, he would have said, Of course. Right? Right. Sure. Like, I don't, the thing is, I mean, I don't, I don't actually care whether or not someone's a, like, I mean, if super, there are plenty of stars who are horrible douchebags and terrible people, and I yep. still love their work. So that's fine. But Chris, it is, Chris, when, when you, when you, when you, you know, do see Chris. someone who, uh, you know, like, you're just like, you don't even need to be a nice guy and you're a nice guy. That makes me feel better about liking their work. So I definitely right. understand that side of things. You know, and I, like, I just saw, like, a, there was an interview with, uh, Reeves and uh, Carrie Ann Moss for the new Matrix movie and also the VR, sort of not in VR, but the video game thing that they released in promotion that's on PlayStation 5 right now uses the Unreal Engine 5 uh, as part yeah. of makeup, right? And, uh, and uh, the interviewer is just like, so uh, the, the most, uh, like the most uh, written in request to the people that made Cyberpunk was to uh, be able to mod uh, your character so yeah, they could have how, sex yeah, yeah. with you, right? right? And his reaction was yes, he just like goes, I, yes. I know. I was I was actually going to bring that story up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that story up. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, there's a there's actually they talk about that interview specifically at the be uh, this this week's episode of the Verge Cast, and it was hilarious because oh, they God. get into all so many different things. But that was the uh, perfect response, and he follows it up with just like, and that was so weird. Like you were weird, like future sex with computers. <laughs> You're just like. Keanu, yes, <laughs> go for it. I remember this was a very strange uh, celebrity encounter that I had. It was, do you guys remember Remy, Remy Torres? Oh, yeah, yep. Right? Yep. He was at, uh, at DD. Mm -hmm. He was a Houdini guy? I guess he was a Houdini. I, whatever. He was I, very funny. Was very, very. The he was, yeah. Yeah, but very, very funny French French guy, right? Yeah. Very French yeah. too, like very super French, like super like, French oh. and super. If you boiled down France and the the, the fine condensate that dripped yeah, down, he's the he's he's the bouillabaisse of French. Yeah, he's the bouillabaisse. Right, like, of yeah, yeah. So he's 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 like, I mean, he's like, ah, and he and he he refuses, like like he always used to say the fuck like that the all fuck? the time the, the fuck, fuck? <laughs> and so i i, I posted which is really funny because the term uh fuck in french mm -hmm. is actually means seal like a like the, the animal yeah. the seal right. right and de 
is two. So I posted a picture of two seals, two seals. together <laughs> and slapped it on his desk and is like, the fuck, you know, like, the I fuck. just, the <laughs> <laughs> fuck. And so oh, he used to say that all the time, the fuck. And, and so anyway, we were, he were outside. I was hanging out with Remy. He was smoking a cigarette because like I said, he's very French and he was smoking. And this two people showed up and this woman says, can I bum a cigarette? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And he looks at him and goes, oh, wait, you're the girl from ER. (laughs) (laughs) The main character, the main woman from ER. It was, it was, and she was also in news radio or whatever, right? right? It was like, she's, and she goes, yeah, she's Trevor, yeah, right. She goes, no, I'm not. (laughs) He goes, (laughs) I know you are. She clearly was. And he just kept harassing her. He's like, you're the girl. I love you. I just started watching it. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And he just, and this was like 11 o'clock at night in Venice, California. And she's like, nope, nope, that's not me. And it clearly was her. And it was so funny. Like, nope, that's not me. Nope, nope. And her so boyfriend or whoever was with her was just laughing as this guy is like, you're the girl from ER. <laughs> yeah, like, the thing is, like, it sounds like we're making up some, like, we're, we're making fun of Remy. This is actually how Remy sounds. This is how he talks, yes. <laughs> this is exactly how he talks. He's yeah. one of the funniest it's people funny. that I've ever worked he with. He is Incredibly very funny. Of yeah. yeah, absolutely fantastic. You yes, yeah. yes, I can see. I know. <laughs> I know, yeah. Have you opened up your uh, Houdini scene, huh? <laughs> He is literally a parody. And his name is Remy, for God's sake. You know what Remy did, which is like totally Remy thing to do, is he left the industry, went back to France, and got his uh, uh, a medical doctor degree. Oh, that's fucking fantastic. What? what yeah. you, and he can yeah. say, you know, it was the woman from ER that inspired me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. Like, he's, he's so yeah. He's, he's a doctor. Yeah. No. He's a doctor now. Yeah. Dr. Remy. Dr. Remy. <laughs> Doctor I used Randy to do Randy Houdini Randy. explosions. Now I uh, take out your appendix. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. I love it. That no, that's amazing. So incredible to hear. But talking about doctors. What's the okay, right. So let's get into this. <laughs> so Bringing Out Your Dead is not a film about zombies, as you might think from the title. What the general premise is, and it doesn't actually have, you know, like I was trying to say about in our conversation with Alan and apologizing to Eric, it's not necessarily uh, a got a complicated plot. It's got definitely has a beginning and a middle and a kind sure. of an ending, yeah. but it, it is really mostly about the the journey and stress that uh, Nicholas Cage's character is dealing with. Right, and the it's in prim- these sort of vignettes along vignettes the way. along yeah. the way and different characters he meets along the way. So there's a lot of relationships between After Hours and this, except this is different. So. Uh, he plays a ambulance driver and he is partnered every night with different uh, um, different partners. Yep. Ving uh, Rams, Vin John Rams, Goodman, John Goodman. And, uh, what's his name from Heat? Michael Matt, not Madsen, Michael. No, Tom, Tom Sizemore. Sizemore, Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore. I would say, yeah. Tom Sizemore, Tom Sizemore, right? And they're all different. In... You in, you out. Yeah, like kind of. Yeah, so, so the total... Total, total craziness, and uh, their their the region that they uh, they uh, do their, uh, their 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 the area that they manage is in Hell's Kitchen, uh, which of those of you who don't know is on the kind of midtown west side, west side. Mid- midtown west side, yeah, forties forties, uh, yeah, basically from like the from um, from nineteen thirty like the thirtieth street up to like about fiftieth yeah. street. It's on all the way up to 10th Avenue and sort of all the way on the west side. The garden. The garden. Yes. And, and it's, it's uh, uh, a, 
I don't know if it is the same way now, but at that time it was very, very seedy and shady. Yeah, and the Westies, yeah. yeah, the Westies controlled it. The Irish mob, they were mm. called the Westies, right? And it was very seedy, very lots of drugs, lots of random stuff going on, and scary. So what they do is they, they like they're obviously answering calls on cardiac arrest or whatever, and then taking them to the it's hospital the place. Mercy Hospital oh. is that what it was? It was called Mercy Hospital, right? Yes. And you go there and you realize that's like dropping people off in an insane asylum. It's just fucking crazy. Like yeah. it's like a war zone in there. It's just yeah. insane. Um, and uh, all of this is weighing in on Nicholas Cage's character, who is trying to get fired from his job. <laughs> but they don't have enough people to do the job. So his boss is, I promise you I'll fire you tomorrow, but I need you tonight. Right. <laughs> right. And so he keeps not showing up for work or doing other crazy things. And they keep drinking on the job or doing insane stuff. Right. But it's, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, you know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so basically that's the premise of the general story. The thread that follows along the way is that the first the first person that they uh, that they basically uh, pick up uh, in a movie when uh, his first partner is John Goodman uh, is uh, some old guy who dies and uh, uh, or who has a cardiac arrest and family is trying to save him and they think he's dead they actually pronounced him dead but then suddenly they bring him back to life and take him to the hospital and that particular person uh this this guy who's that is is really really just barely alive and constantly uh uh dying and they keep using a defibrillator and he comes back to life but you know barely not like not like almost brain dead pretty much mm -hmm. uh and they they they're doing it like 14 times a day they revive him and right. they're just trying to do this. And this goes on for days and days and days. And Nicolas Cage is uh, attached to this particular case that's happening as he's watching this person just struggling to actually die. Right. Right. He wants, he thinks he, this guy really wants to die. And the other thing that happens is uh, this guy's uh, daughter is uh, uh, paid by Patricia, Patricia Arquette, not, uh, no, not Rosanna Arquette. Uh, and, uh, he sort of, uh, tries to connect with her by telling her that he's giving her reports of her dad, or whatever mm -hmm. he is, uh, definitely attracted to her in some ways, but he's not, he there's, he just becomes fascinating. He can, becomes fixated on, on, on this situation, right. uh, and not because he's trying to get laid or anything. I don't feel he's trying to get, laid. no, he's no, just, he's way like he's in the zone of like, he needs spiritual rest he needs spiritual rest that's a good way of doing it like and and it's and it's very trippy now the thing that 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 they that adds to the stress and beauty of this film is the way that they put on some of the things that that happens constantly so the this movie is filled with needle drops uh mm -hmm. that would make uh uh uh, Goodfellas feel like it was a one note film in terms of the amount of <laughs> right. music in this. Sure. Right. But what's interesting to see it this time is that a lot of that music started to feel a little dated in some ways. Right. Mm -hmm. Some of it felt dated. Some of it felt timeless, uh, but it's still very good. And they try to time 
some of that stuff in terms of the music and how that that works but the scenes as they go like as they bolt to the next site the way that those films of the ambulance moving through new york city uh at night was that was them what music that was going was them them like it was playing on the like they were playing yeah i think it was van morrison's first band Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. yeah, I get you. Right, right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Van Morrison in there. Yep. A lot of Van yeah. Morrison. Well, it's but actually, there's a lot some REM and some yep. a lot well, of other words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like yeah, the um, the and the I think the over the one of the connecting elements is like you know Cage's stress is expressed through the camera work, which is crazy, which is insane. Yeah, and very frenetic. It's hyper. It's like hyper real crazy fast um uh fast editing uh really intense choppy visuals had a bit of a a fear and loathing in las vegas yeah like yeah Yeah. like with more of a focus more of a point Mm -hmm. right and like the um and also because he is it alludes to the title is like he is seeing and interacting with ghosts constantly you know like he is seeing right because uh, he's seen so many people die Right. And so like he is uh you see lots of like very literalized spiritual communications with like he talks to the like the guy who is in a coma after the heart attack is talking to him like in his mind um uh throughout the film like please let me die you know this kind of stuff uh right. the, there's a woman who he failed to save um right. an overdose who he failed to save and her and he keeps on seeing her in other patients and seeing her on the street or people on the street her. right he sees yeah, her face exactly. looking back at him right right and so because these, he fucked these up. things yeah. yeah and this haunts him like throughout the entire time right and like it's never like uh it's like it's never like it's not like a ghost story ghost story but it is a ghost story in terms of like he is a haunted person who is trying to run away from uh the pain that he that he feels responsible for and then the deaths he feels responsible for. Well, and the only way that he feels that he can run it is by working harder and harder and harder. The and thing harder that I find fascinating as well that I, that I loved about it is that he looks like he's going insane and he's saying mm-hmm. crazy shit that mm-hmm. if I was a normal person, which I am sitting in a, in a car and this guy would be next to me, I would say, Oh shit, man, you're going crazy. I, I would, like have concerns about it right Right. but it turns out that the other guys are just as insane yeah everyone's everyone's jamming everyone's Everyone's jamming they're just as insane except that they basically accepted their insanity and found a settled into the comfort of it when nick cage is still just like this this can't be all except their their insanity john goodman talked about getting john goodman did not no yeah, he had yeah. a new career, but he had a plan and a strategy to get out. Because... Right, but that's to me that sounds like that's what he. That's how he avoids. Like, could be you don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't. I, 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 well, I was, this like, guy was clearly crazy town. Yeah, like I mean, like when you have uh, like Bing Rams with uh, his like his he's found super spirituality and God and all this stuff, and that inflects mm-hmm. his entire. That's how he faces the world. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it also but, but it's him. obviously faked as well, like because yes. of the whole like resurrecting thing was ridiculous. The, that like that's yeah. We may as well talk about it now. One of my favorite scenes <laughs> ever is the Ivy Bang scene. Yeah, <laughs> like, when there's, he, there's a guy basically just to give you a little context. There's been like one of the th- ongoing threads in this film is that there's been this dangerous new 
drug that's out there. It's supposed to be like crack and heroin or whatever else. And it's called red death that's going around. Right. right. And it's causing a bunch of problems and people are, are, and that's one of the main things that's been driving a lot of their, their, yeah. uh, their, 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 their having to pick up people. Right? right. And so they go to a nightclub and it's clearly like some gothy nightclub type thing to find some guy who's under cardiac arrest. Right. And they're like, he's dead. And Logan is he's dead. And then, Nick Cage is like, he's not dead. He's just overdosed on heroin. Right. And there's a, you know, uh, 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 something we can inject him with him with that will revive Narcon. him. Narcon, right. Yeah. Narcon. So, right. So he's like, let's do that. And so <laughs> Ben Rames decides, like, okay. So he stages like some big religious, like, yeah, like this, like this absolute, like Baptist style, like, oh, Baptist right, like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, we're going <laughs> to praise the Lord to bring back. What's his name? What's his name I, again? I be banging. I be banging. I be banging. And so they call him, I be banging. Lord, bring back, I be banging. Lord, bring back, I be banging. And then he's injected him. He's like, good to go. And then so oh like, God, the guys wake up and like, I praise the Lord. Praise yeah. the Lord. That yeah. is like that is Ving Rams is in a lot of classic roles. That is possibly my single favorite Ving Rams scene of all time. Is the Ivy yeah scene. yeah it's Absolutely up there with a lot of his Pulp hysterical. Fiction work as well. <laughs> Absolutely perfect, flawless, flawless performance. Yeah, but I mean, like that's the like this is the the fun the interesting thing about the movie is the movie is about um, uh, guilt and depression and the desperate need for forgiveness and drug addiction and alcoholism and living in a shitty, brutal, awful place and all this stuff. And it's also bizarrely fun. Like it's a really yeah. brisk, funny, strange, wacky movie that feels like it's a like the way it's played is as if it's a, it's a much lighter, brisker world and comedy than you're actually experiencing. Like right, and, and it's like and so it makes you feel like you are Nicolas Cage, like you are just skimming over the surface of all of this horrible depression. And like if you don't like you're like skipping like a stone over the water, and if you come to a rest, like you're going to sink. And uh, it's an incredible mm. vibe, like an absolutely incredible vibe that he developed. Well, the, so the thing I was going to, I was going to mention is like when the first time I saw it in 1999, right? So I was, you know, much younger person, et cetera. But I saw this movie as like, what a funky, weird, trippy movie, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and uh, I liked it as such, but I didn't necessarily have the empathy that I thought mm -hmm. I would have for Nick Cage. I just saw what a weird horrible life this guy has right yeah. but what i think what happened when i started watching today like this is literally the story of a guy with a massively stressful life yep. and job and having to manage that right and somehow that became a lot more relatable today <laughs> yeah i feel you baby absolutely right? and somehow as i was watching that i was like fuck yeah like i get it like I would like there's a scene where basically like he's 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 lost sleep there and, and they do a great job. He's got the red around his eyes and he can't sleep and he's doing his stuff. Oh, he looks like and shit he, the whole time. Yeah. He looks like shit the whole time. And he's like going in the back of the of the ambulance while he's driving. What are you doing? He's like, I need to I'm sick. I'm sick. I need to get better. I got some B12. I got this. And he's like mm -hmm. injecting himself with all this shit to like you know keep riding it keep, keep riding it and he, and he walks back to the front of the of the of the uh of the of the of the uh, uh of the ambulance and he's got an iv bag and like yep. he's literally just drugging himself to revive yep. all that stress like yeah i'd do that if i could <laughs> yeah like, man you know, like he's it's the only way to keep on going and still because yeah. like that's the thing is like he is like he what he is 
he is terrified as much as he says he wants to quit he knows he needs to stop but like he can't because he knows if he stops then he's going to have to face all of his guilt and face yes. it's all like all the pain that he has that he isn't that is completely undealt with and right. because like for for all the like he's saving all these fucking people as hard as he can because he failed to save the this one person and right. he's like i fucked it up you know and she's dead because of me and if i ever do that again then i will want to die you know if that ever happens again i'll want to die so i yeah. have to save everyone you know i have right. to do it and that's what drives him and that's what drives him insane and uh and i think that it's the like this idea of like the obsession of trying to take responsibility for everybody um and like or he just can't like he can't forgive himself because so he has to try to uh save everybody else and it's not a it's not something you can do it's not something anybody right. can actually do and uh and so like the the journey where it's like you have like Rosanna or rather Patricia Arquette is trying just trying to come to terms with the fact that her dad's dying slash dead right? right and that's all she wants to be able to do you know like she just wants to be able to get through this one thing like it's not even it's, it's not even her fault it's just a painful event mm -hmm. right and it's through that window like he syncs up with her you know mm -hmm. where she's in a sort of a state of pain an unavoidable state of pain and the only thing that can be done is to sort of be in it and right. to share it with somebody else and then you can let go of your pain like right. and uh and so like there's that and there's a there's a moment in the movie like the un, the ending shot with the two of them like you know like when the sunlight is wonderful but the one mo the thing that i most remember is when they're in the ambulance and oh the ambulance scene and rock when they're riding in the back yeah perfect like that is it's well the like, music was amazing the music too. is amazing the moment is amazing and it's so it's like a it's a miracle of a sequence and it's so understated you're just like there there it is there is the there is the moment that you were looking for well the thing that's beautiful about it and especially from an acting point of view is if you look at her expression and his expression they seem the opposite of what you expect mm -hmm. right because He's there with her to be with her because he really wants to be with her. Mm -hmm. And she's there for the ride. Yep. Right? Yep. But her expression is that of giddiness yeah. and fun. Right. And his expression is solemn. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right? right. Right. And so it's different because he's trying to internalize the moment emotionally. And mm -hmm. she's like, this is a lot of fun bouncing right. around in the back of an ambulance. Right. He pressed. Right. Yeah, exactly. She's making an argument for the, for being present, you know, like, be right. Here, be and right he's here. still, and so it's complete reversal of the process and yep. it, the music is incredible. And yep. it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Yep. Uh, I just absolutely. Yeah, and the, and the, and the whole movie just basically like the movie is, it's one of these things. It's like with, uh, I've talked about it before with, um, like, I love how captain Phillips is made as a movie where it's like the whole movie is this like radical, stress event you know uh for tom hanks and it's just like mm -hmm. super high intensity super high intensity super high intensity super high intensity and you're like whoa that was a crazy movie and then there's a two minute scene at the end where tom hanks uh is treated by one of the navy technicians for shock right mm -hmm. and his performance in the scene is so good and so realistic that it's it is the movie 
Like, like that is actually the movie that you're there to see. I didn't even realize it until I was like, I'm crying in the middle of the scene. I was like, previous to the scene, I thought this movie was pretty good, but now suddenly this movie is an A plus, and it's because the hmm. rest of the the rest of the movie is just the gunpowder in the bullet, and the scene is the bullet. You know, and like it's the all of that is there to energize this one small event. And yeah. like, I think that with bringing up the dead, like it's an incredibly fun visual crazy ride with performances of go-go and all sorts of insane imagery, but all of it is there for that ride. Like everything is there for that one scene because like, there, you come into, there, you come there, that, that I hate to say like it there, there I, I gotta say, I feel somewhat the way you do, but I also feel there's so, there's so many of those moments. Oh, there. It's of, all great. It's so, and, I mean, and, and, and it, it's all powerful. I, it's all good. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, Eric, I mean, like, for it, instance, like the fireworks. Yeah, scene, I actually, sure. we'll, we'll get to the fireworks scene because I yeah. do want to. There's a whole sequence with that drug dealer that I think we need to narrate mm -hmm. in some ways and and mm -hmm. talk about that because it was. Uh, uh, I I didn't remember it as much as I like after I said, like, yeah. "Oh shit, that's fucking beautiful." Yeah, incredible. Uh, but um, and not and very unexpected. Eric, what did you think of this? Did you see this before? Have you seen this movie before? Yeah, don't like it. I never liked it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Why didn't you like it? Uh, I just, you know, for me, I felt um, it was a little bit... Um, I, I thought uh, uh, Mark Anthony was a little too, you know... I, I didn't like his acting there. I felt uh, Arquette's role was... Uh, there was a lot of detail that was real about it and then there was a lot of inauthentic moments like the doctor was too over the top you know that guy at, at mercy hospital right. um i also was like you know what i don't i didn't really care about nick cage's character and honestly i'll be honest with you when you're those kind of like ambulance drivers and uh, paramedics in a city like that it totally is Gonzo. I know David Lee Roth. When I lived uh, in the village uh, in the '90s, David Lee Roth lived on 10th Street where I lived, and he was an ambulance. He was a paramedic, and and mm -hmm. up in that same area, or up in Harlem. And he's when he talks about it, it's really interesting because he, you know, he stopped touring and being a musician, and he became a paramedic in New York City, and he went through all of that stuff. I just, it's such a dark. There was a realism to it, and I just I don't like uh, I didn't like Nick Cage's performance, mm -hmm. um, though I loved the cinematography. I loved John Goodman in it a lot, and yeah, I loved yeah, what's his name great. in it, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, I thought Tom Sizemore would have been a better lead because I'll I'll tell you something. When I was in the city, and I was like, oh, I want to get out of, I want to work in film. I started through, um, you know. PA and for directors in New York. I've told you that. And mm -hmm. I remember doing a shoot um, downtown by where the World Trade Center was. And there was a guy and, he, and we were shooting a Citibank or I don't know, some stupid big commercial that lasted two weeks and they spent, you know, 50 grand, a day, you know, 200,000 a day or whatever. And I remember there was, we were constantly shooting um, around there. And then there was the path trains going to New Jersey and there was this cop and you know, they would give these cops um, extra money if they stood around on the sets, which we came in early. And he was really, hey, kid, I want to show you something. I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time. 
you know, I'm running around and finally after like working there a week, you know, doing all this stuff as their base camp by, he's like, I wanted to show you something. I was like, he's like, ah, it's my photo collection. He took photos of all the people shot in the subway. Oh, Jesus. Either by him or other path trains because they're all part of New York City Department. But it was it was police, all the policemen in the subway systems. And it was this leather satchel with this kind of pasted in um, Polaroids. And it was real people just sure. shot or in the right. worst positions on staircases, on tracks. And I was that was his pride. Like all week, I was like, dude, you spent like, hey, kid, I want to show you. You're funny. I, I want to show you. Something. Right, right. Which, really no. Yeah, and that's right. And I remember I was friends with this guy, Norman. He was a crazy photographer, but I think I've talked about him before. But I just remember not to say, yeah, I want to see it. Because he had this thing where these guys were like, I want to tell you about Vietnam. And he's like, I don't know. If I want to hear about Vietnam. Yeah. Finally, he heard about Vietnam. There are stories from Vietnam, these Teamsters. And it's like he never <laughs> – he's like, I don't even want to think of the country. I don't want to visit the country. I don't want to have Vietnamese sure. food. <laughs> Right. It was so horrific. And I was like, I'm not going to be like Norm and say, yeah, show me what you got. I did. Yeah. And it was, it was just disturbing. And I was like, man, I felt so bad at the same time. I'm like, that was his connection to like by saving these pictures. And he showed, mm -hmm. I went through them. I was like, oh my God, really? That's real? And he was a proud of it. And it, it was his way of just keeping sane, I guess. I don't sure. know. Absolutely. So well, I a think lot of that... that character brought memories of this guy. When I right. saw this again, I was right. like, oh, God, not this type of character. Because it was like, it's just a nonstop spiral, dude. You, you can't oh, get out terrifying. of it. Oh, it's terrifying, yeah. You're doing great work. And at the same time, you, like, you have to numb yourself out to literally the worst possible things well that's the thing that's right. right so so, so uh, knowing that and he's he's dealing with this but then i felt you have mark anthony i didn't buy mark anthony's thing he's a great actor great woo singer woo not into it <laughs> but he just I'm didn't not buy into it. it i didn't right. buy it. i didn't buy the doctor you know right because he was very like it was exposition he's like i got the body there and i got a body here it was like a set of mash in 1971 it's like i got bodies <laughs> up to my neck here i don't know what to do but that. i'm a smart guy and i'll, I'll get through it you know, right, it was that right. kind of, um, it would have been great. I think the movie would have been brilliant if it was Tom Sizemore. Because I, that's, oh, I certainly love Sizemore. Absolutely. He, yeah. would, he didn't have to say a lot and you'd think, Jesus Christ, he's crazy. Well, yeah, and like I, I, I would say, I would certainly say to people that if you're not it's down, missed the opportunity age, for then me. this movie makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> like I'm sure the movie's just like, yeah, doesn't work. but the it, thing is, I like the film. Don't work. get me wrong. The yeah. cinematography is brilliant. Right. It's really it, Michael Balha. I don't know who did it, but it's maybe uh, boss. Yeah, I have to look it up. Yep. But the point is, it was a missed opportunity for me because if he had chosen authentically, it, it would have really evoked a lot of. Who what would you I make this movie with it. today? If you were, if like, if you made this movie today, what would be the perfect casting? Because oh, I actually, I think the, I think if you did it, I think the best would be the lead of Strong from Succession. And Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah, gosh, yeah. Robert yeah, Richardson. Robert Richardson was a cinematographer. Okay. Oh yes, yes. and Joaquin Phoenix. So Kill Bill. And, blah 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 yep. blah. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because yeah, uh, Tarantino had that same glowy look for a long time. Like the mm -hmm. the hiper hyper strong hots in a very uh, high contrast yep. background. You also yep. did Casino. Right. Yeah. A few good men. Yep. 
Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, that's actually that's actually a great call. I think that uh, uh, Yoki yeah, Phoenix. I mean, and, Phoenix, yeah. and Mike uh, Strong. What is it with um, uh, from Succession the lead? Mike Strong or <clears throat> he's genius. But yes, he great, could play. Yeah, he could play the Nick Cage part, whereas the John Goodman part could be Joaquin. And I would it, actually, it, I would, I would say that what, that uh, Phoenix would be a great uh, lead in that because the thing is, like, this actually, this met, actually makes clear what to me makes clear what you don't like about the Cage performance, right? Is like the that Phoenix is uh, delivers all the same kinds of goods that Cage does, but there's a there's an intrinsic like empathy to his acting that like never you can never fall out of love with him completely like he doesn't he it's impossible for that guy to alienate you like there's something in, like that like is compulsively watchable and lovable about him that even when he's playing really terrible characters or really distant or really broken characters like there's a core to him that i always connect with all sort of in an automatic way uh and that's not yeah. necessarily true of cage like cage is like perfectly happy to lose the audience like he doesn't give a shit at all like he's just like I'm, yeah I'm the thing about cage too for me is that like even in raising arizona when things are happening to him and he doesn't react wordy mm -hmm. but he reacts more silent and just like i can't uh, like in moonstruck uh, reaction it's like uh, and he doesn't say a lot you get a lot more sympathy for him as a character but he was talking too much and talking like he's more of a reactive guy being kicked around and he's great. Right. So no, I thought he was pretty does, reactive in this, honestly speaking. But he talked a lot. He talked way too much. Which pushes like you away. Been, it pushes you away because yeah. he's more no, of a reactive like, I get it. I get it. actor. Like, you know, things happen to him and smarter people around him. Like John Goodman could have done all the talking. And right. he's just like, well, I don't, I don't know, man. I just, <sighs> I don't know. But, he, you know, he was beating the adult in the room and he's not. He's not that type of actor. And the best stuff he's done, he's always things happening to him. He reacts, but not so much. It's just like, the bees, I can't the bees. do this. Yeah, I can't do <laughs> right. this. I can't do right. this. Right. That's it. Right. Right. And so, you know, they gave him, they were pushing the lead man on him, which he is. But at the same time, he's not the lead man that, you know, is uh, like the George Clooney lead man who talks right. a lot. Um, he's more in the vein of Casey Affleck, you know, where there's mm -hmm. this lingering in the background, um, right. and, but genius. And so for me, uh, that's what throws me off. And it's just lost opportunity because I do love those seeing a world of New York or seeing a mm -hmm. world that he invites you to. But Mark Anthony, no, thanks. And um, <laughs> if funny. they did Sizemore, it would have been an even grittier film because he uh, is nuts. Yeah. So I, I wonder what happened to Sizemore because he's such a talented, he had a big drug and, problem. Oh, it's too bad. Guy was he's I'm still alive. He's an incredibly talented guy. And so like, I heard he had yeah, like uh, that's what I've heard as well. But I mean, like the it's like because I just watched uh, uh, unsurprisingly, I just watched Heat again, and I'm just like, Are you and you out. Yeah, it's just like he's so fucking good in that movie, and it's so tight and small. Like he's like he knows the size of the role, and he plays it to the hilt, but doesn't get in the way. Like he's such a responsible. That's it. Then he got yeah. in the way. What's right. his name? Nick Cage gets in the way. And I, if you give him too much power, he gets in the way. He buys snakes and sits in a room. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, hear you. I, I, I hear actually, you. I actually, I mean, I, 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 you know, respectfully disagree, which I think is fine. We've done this many times. I actually thought he was the perfect person for this role, but I don't. 
I don't think I had the same experience, right? You're coming in from a different, you had, you had a certain specific experience that, 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 that Look, I'm not made saying, it more challenging for you to like this film. Yeah. I don't want to disagree with you, Chris. I just want to say that you're wrong. That's all. <laughs> well, That's I think fine. that what's, what is interesting between, between the two of y'all, it's like, I actually, I hear what you're saying, Eric, and I totally see, I see exactly what you're saying. And it's also a real clear articulation of what I like and what I connect with in Cage's yes. performance. Like, it's like, he is so, uh, like, he's not, because he is, he pushes the character away. Well, because, because it pushes me away with the character. That's it, what makes me feel, right, I know. connected the to The world, it. the streets, the neighbors, the door buzzers. Sure. Everything was real. You can smell the place, that old Italian guy on the floor, he's ready to keel over. Yep. You can smell it. Uh, I remember seeing a guy just like that on the street on 86th Ugh. street and he had a heart attack and everyone's yeah, sure. standing around and I just peered in and I have all these fucking people staring at him. Cops like, stop looking at him, keep moving on. I was like, how about telling everybody else? You know, it was just, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but the point is, it, I felt very, it was horrible. But the point is there was no authenticity to cage for me. Like everything was right world. Right. And then you throw in Mark Anthony and cage i just had a problem with cage there and i like cage. well I, I think the mark anthony character was there's probably a message there that they were trying to do with him and they didn't quite nail it quite right he is and i agree with you eric he was the problem character and just to give people a bit of context he he played a crazy character that kept kept going back to the er because they kept finding him in some uh right moments of insanity and he was obsessed with drinking water which is another part of the plot that happened mm -hmm. it's strange but he's constantly got in trouble etc cetera, etc cetera. so that guy was well known they're like you're gonna have to start charging rent at the er or whatever so anyway that was a that's a character that was part of the going ongoing thread that was and i agree was was problematic but i do want to go lead us to the the drug dealer because i thought that was fascinating concept so what happens is he's like we said completely uh, gravitated towards uh, Patricia Arquette and sees her as this angel savior, right? Mm -hmm. She has words of wisdom and compassion and everything else. And she definitely presents herself as some angelic and perfect person, right? And at which point he follows her. She says she's going to visit a friend, but uh, ends up following up to an apartment. And it turns out she's going into a place to get some drugs she's also a drug addict as most people are mm -hmm. to help her sleep and deal with her pain right right and so she he, he meets this guy who is the drug dealer and a very smooth talker and he's mm -hmm. like hey man it's just chill don't worry about it and looking around Cliff curtis who is fucking incredible <laughs> he is amazing he is absolutely great love right. this guy. Love great and great so he's guy. smooth talking and he's just basically like looking around and it's basically feels like an opium den where everyone's mm -hmm. passed out. Right? right. And he's like, no, I just give them these pills and they just let their stress melt away and it's all good. And then he's yeah, like, numb them out. Numb them out. And he's like, yeah. and, he, yeah. and he's like, are you giving out red death? Is this, why would I give out something that kills my customers? Right. And that's what it's given by those other guys. And that's why the big black guy on the corner over there is trying to take care of that situation for me. But he's basically like, I'm the, he's basically a drug Lord of the neighborhood. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So, so that's what he's dealing with. And so he tempts Nick Cage. He's like, you look terrible. My friend, you look 
terrible. Just take one of these pills and sleep yeah, for a couple hours. Yeah. It'll be right as rain, right? right? And so he does give him the pill. And then you think Nick Cage is going to go, this is bullshit and walk away. But nope, he takes the pill and he starts to sleep. But then wakes up in a moment of crazy stress, but still under the influence of the drug. Runs to the room where Patricia Arquette is passed out on some mattress and uh, yanks her and takes her out. And the drug dealer is like, no, no, just just let him go. They're like, no, let him go. So they're walking down the street. They're trying to communicate. This is a very awkward moment between the two of them. And in complete contrast to the scene where they're on the back of the ambulance, where it was quite beautiful and and, and sweet. Mm -hmm. He's, she's being more nasty. Yep. And he's just like, following her even though she's asking him to just leave me to fuck alone right okay. and he take follows her up to the apartment is like what do you want to do you want to fuck me and it's like that does not kind of sound like the kind of thing that she would ever say like it's it seems right. out of context super right? abrasive very yeah it's super just, yeah. abrasive right. Right. and and it's just this awkward weird scene and she's like he's just following her and like oh shit this is just makes me feel uncomfortable and then they get to her apartment and then he passes out on her bed, on her couch, more specifically. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, no, 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 you got to get out of here. And then it's like, no, it doesn't happen. Anyway, so that's the that relation. So that's part of, that's the first time he meets the drug dealer. And then uh, we've, what we've derived from the story of the drug dealer is that basically this is a guy who's been around for a long time. Patricia Arquette, a return customer. Mm-hmm. Lots of people go to see this guy to deal with the stresses of their lives, which mm-hmm. is clearly one of the things that Nick Cage's character is dealing with. At which point, um, there's another call of some suicide attempt or something crazy going on, and they look up and they see a guy way up on the 16th floor, 14th floor more specifically, hanging off the edge of the building. And so they go up, and obviously this is the same building that the drug dealer was in, and they go up into the building, and they notice that the woman, the girlfriend of the drug dealer is shot dead in the hall, dead in the hall. Flooded. The whole place is flooded. The whole place is flooded because yeah. they shot the fish tank. Fish and tank. So yeah. The water is her, everywhere. her blood. It's like, I think that's Angela Bassett in that movie. And like her, her, the blood coming from her head into the water is it beautiful. So, it's so beautiful. It's so strange. It's and diluted. So they see the blood kind of slowly yeah. seeping into water. Yeah. Very, very strange yeah. looking. And there's fish all over the floor. Yeah, fish are flopping apartment. all over the floor as you're walking right. through the scene. Right. Um, and basically, there's no one else in the apartment, but the balcony is broken open. You look over the edge of the balcony there on the 16th floor. He's jumped off into the balcony of the 14th floor, which is just two floors down, obviously. Uh, but the big guy fell, broke his ankles, passed out. And the drug dealer accidentally hit the railings that's all happened of of the 14th floor and is basically kebab himself yeah he's like hanging over the ledge hanging over the ledge impaled but (laughs) still alive so it didn't hit any vital organs but they got to figure out how they're gonna take him out of they can't just unskewer him because of the way the nature of the railings so they got to figure out how to deal with it. So Nick Cage comes by and talks to the guy. And what I think is really amazing is that that drug dealer 
is such the voice of compassion. Yes. Yes. Throughout this whole process. And yeah. he's talking to Nick Cage. It's like, what's going on? They tells him and Nick Cage is like, yeah, your girlfriend's dead. And he's like, oh, emotionally dealing with that and just figuring that out. And it's just quite, it's just kind of an amazing scene. Right. And so they decided like, well, and he explains to the drug dealer, it's like, well, they're going to have to cut. They're going to have to cut the, the, the railing to get you out. They're basically going to have to cut out the railing. The in jaws a of life. This thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, like, to chug it until so, you know, they use a torch because they can't use the other stuff. Yeah, Because right? he, if they pull it out, he'll bleed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they gotta, they gotta figure out how to, how to manage that. So, uh, uh, so, uh, they're starting to cut him like with a blowtorch and Nick Cage is holding on to him and he can't hold up his head anymore because the way he is, his head is over the edge and he's been trying to keep his head up and he can't keep it. So Nick Cage is holding his head very much like a Pieta scene, like with the Virgin Mary holding mm, up. The, right. Yeah. Right. Like the dying Christ thing. Mm. By the way, the guy also has slight Christ uh, uh, persona and look to him as well, mm-hmm. yep. which is also strange in some, a lot of ways. And because they're cutting the railing, He's like, ah, oh, the heat, because it's, uh, the metal's getting hot, right? He can feel the heat of the metal. Mm-hmm. But it creates this massive amounts of spark coming out the other end. And he looks over and looks at the sparks and admires the beauty of the sparks. So the sparks flying out over the city. Flying out over the city. Yeah. And he says, it's beautiful. It's like fireworks. At which point they just add. It turns into fireworks. <laughs> more fireworks. <laughs> and it just becomes incredible. this surreal yeah. scene. I'm like, yeah. what the that's so insane. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's, yeah, like it's, it's completely, and they don't even try to make it look real, real. Like it's like, no, no, no. It's just an emotional feel. Yeah, it's a, like exactly. it, the emotion is real. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. One of, that's one of my very favorite scenes. It's, and it's, it's just transcendent. And it's like being in this moment of pure agony and still finding beauty in something. Is right. Basically the movie. Like that's the, that's that's where Nicolas Cage needs to be. Like he right. like this is the this is the this is the scene that shows him the ability the the power of being in that place. Right. Uh and uh and and how healing how healing it is to be there. You know, you will you will live through it, you know. And uh and like that's the that 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 scene is the sort of the the hub that the movie spins around, you know, like right. because it is this it is a moment of actual like real transcendence that cage gets to witness i think that's what gives him you know the permission well to that, have that to, transcendence to let go yeah exactly. right so so because he saved that guy in that way and by the way just you know what happens is that the 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 they, they cut him loose but he starts to fall nick cage holds on to him mm-hmm. and then they drag like he saved the guy's life comes back completely and uh, the guy even acknowledges when he's in the hospital, he's like, man, you saved my life. Like, basically, that was a thing, right? So right. so he's got in this moment of redemption, and he's able to, to let go of his demons. Mm-hmm. Like, I can now let go of my demons, right? It's okay Which for guy? someone. Mark Anthony? No, no, no. Oh, forget no, about no, Mark no, Anthony. No, no, the yeah, Mark no. Anthony problem, like, listen, I, I agree with you, Eric. The Mark Anthony situation was a problem. Like, I don't really think that character served that story. I mean, maybe there's something I didn't read into it. And if there is, then it wasn't strong enough for me to make it compelling to hold on. But I, the, well, the, the guy who wants the water, the, the guy, guy wants the, the water. The, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, like I can say straightforwardly, like that is what 
Nicolas Cage like fears becoming. You know, it's like this is someone who is always looking for forgiveness and getting none ever. Like he is, he is at the absolute. He's the he's the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, he's but it wasn't strong enough a character to me. I think it was overplayed, overacted for sure. Eric, mm -hmm. yes, uh, 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 I absolutely agree with that. And I don't think it was necessary. Like the moment of forgiveness that he gets from the drug dealer mm -hmm. is the whole is, show. Is the whole show right? Yeah, and it's lovely. Yeah. And so, so once once he's gotten that, and like he's been dealing with the battle of the girl that that he didn't save, right? And so. Uh, and that's the thing that he's been struggling with. Uh, and then the birth of the twins was another strange one that I think was really interesting, uh, a little disjointed, but it was also really good. Mm -hmm. right. But uh, but he deals with the, uh, the, the you know, that once that guy forgives him and thanks him for saving his life, he is now able to basically let go of the guy of Patricia Arquette's father. Yep. At which point right. he makes the decision. This is a very interesting one. Instead of saving someone's life, he kills him. Kills him. <laughs> he unplugs him. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. he knows that this guy needs to be unplugged. Yep. Right. Um, and so he goes to visit him in, at this point, he's not in ER, but in uh, ICU. Mm -hmm. uh, and disconnects his uh, signs of life. <laughs> And connects it to his own body so that no one is alerted no that this alerted. guy yeah, that this right. guy is dying, and uh, like puts the heart monitors and the breathing monitors on himself so that then very smart to do by the way if you want yeah. to. and it's a beautiful metaphor it's a beautiful yeah. metaphor right like I will I will carry this on so that you can die right yeah. like I will I will and it's a great thing and he's watching him die slowly. As he continues to breathe through his breathing apparatus and his and his heart monitors, and then obviously he switches everything back and he pretends like he's trying to save his life and is like, "Okay, this guy died. We can call it right, right, right." And that's the end of it. And yeah. so, so that's him letting go of that process, and then he goes to uh, visit Patricia Arquette and finally sleeps <laughs> and finally sleeps exactly right which is forgiveness which is forgiveness <laughs> right like yeah, sleeps with her it. more specifically is a thing but it's not a sexual thing right it's a matter yeah. of like release emotional yeah. release yep. they're both having an emotional release and are able to let go in a lot of yep. ways yep yeah it's um, i mean it's a it's a it's a really like it's it for me it's like a it's a it's a totally overwhelming experience in the best possible way like it's like you want it to be you even want it to like I, i'm like you want this to be disjointed and jagged and weird and intense and like you know like everything that he's doing filmically is like it's to make you have extreme discomfort all the time right you know that's and, right and he's and, good at that and it's 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 really it's, it's like some of my favorite filmmaking from him and it's just so relentless and it's all driven towards this one perfect moment of being at peace and i'm just like that's right a, that's a that's a it's a it's like a there are very few movies that that pulled that off as well as this does and in such an in, insane intense way and i've said this i've said this before there's like a there's a there's a list of movies that because i'm um i'm playing the video game cyberpunk and uh and you know they had that's a, are you having sex with keanu reeves I am not yet. I haven't been able to convince him, but we'll get there. The um, uh, hmm. but this this game is it's it's pretty fun. It's very beautiful looking, and it's got all the like it's got all the right stuff to be a cyberpunk game. It's good. It's good. It's a good game, and it looks great. 
but at the same time i was just like this is this is all very mainstream stuff there's nothing punk left to it you know like all everything i'm seeing is just like what is cool in science fiction mainstream stuff you know Mm -hmm. and it's not very it's not very there's nothing jagged or challenging about it and so i thought i was thinking there are movies i could compile a list of movies that make me feel like actual cyberpunk when i read it in the 80s you know uh which is upsetting and shit like that and bringing up the dead is one of my lead contenders for that list like it isn't a science fiction film but it it is so alienating and so fucking in your face and bizarre in the way that it's produced. That's good. Uh, that I was like, this is the kind of punkness that I am missing, you know, and just mi- missing in like indie film in general, in particular, where I'm just like, and he he was that's Scorsese, you know, he put the Clash in his movie. He yeah, this is it, man. Like he is like in, he is in a, uh, King of Comedy, right? You know, and like to to watch a movie like this where I'm just like, who the fuck makes a movie like this these days? Jesus Christ. Like this thing well, is that's like 10 years ago. When was it? 20 years oh, ago. More than 20 years ago. 20 years ago. 1999, buddy. It's 22 years ago. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And it's like, and it's, and it's so much more interesting and intense than most indie films that I see. I'm just like, and this one's forgotten about. This is a, this is a forgotten, this is something that fell off of the Scorsese list somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that's the shit that first Scorsese has done that has been forgotten. And we still don't do things like this today. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. Yeah, guys. I am upset about that. Like, we really gotta, like, you know, we gotta make stuff that's better. Like, we've got to do some things that are interesting. And listen, it does take a little bit of money, mm-hmm. right? It's it, you. It, you can't quite indie this film. Like the shots of the ambulances and some of the lighting. Yeah, and you still need to all, be like. You still need you that. Takes right. a little bit of, of of bucks to make that work. Right. And. And that's great, but they're you know because you're just like, well, anyone can make a movie. It's like not necessarily. You can't make an expensive alien uh, uh, ambulance movie with Nicholas Cage. You can't do right. that as an indie filmmaker, but you can make something super intense. Right, like you can't make some something shots in there. Old. I think you could get away with. Yeah, it's easier to do oh, now. Yeah, right? more yeah, now than sure. you could in the past, for right. sure, Eric. But, but like, in fact, like, like to that serves the point of saying, like, we it's it's more within super our power than ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it's super within our power, way more than ever before, to be able to make really radical, crazy shit, and mm-hmm. it is very seldom done. Yes, like we have all the tools, and it's twenty times cheaper than it ever was, and still, and people have backed off of it further than ever. I'm like. What the fuck, dude? I mean, like, like uh, there are movies that are out there that I find that I think are super challenging, and really exciting, and like, I'm not saying there's nothing, but I'm just like, it's been so long since we saw something that everyone's like, that's really bracing, you know? Like, wow, that really made me think. Well, this movie's, I mean, this movie's hard to convince people to watch it. It's like this is a movie about stressful job in the worst part of New York City. Sure. Right. You're not going to sure. say you're going to see it, right? The right. tough sell, and it, no one's going to take that chance. Yeah, and in, no. in, in pandemic yeah. times, it's not like you want more stress. <laughs> but you know what it is to me, honestly speaking, and this is what I was kind of bringing up is like I told Karen is like, well, what she said, well, what was different about watching this? And I was like, well, this, you know, it's strange to watch a movie about a horribly stressful job while you're in the middle of a pandemic. And she goes, yeah. oh my, you got PTSD. It's like actually no. Honestly speaking, it was quite cathartic to watch. Yeah, that's this. what I'm talking about. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It that's was that. quite cathartic. But if you tell someone it's a movie about a really stressful job and they're that doesn't they're that's not, not do a good it. sell. That's not yeah, a good sell. Exactly. But yeah. that's but the thing is it's just like these that's how this stuff it's like, you know, jokes at a funeral, man. That's catharsis. That's what it's for. 
Yes. You know, yeah, like, like the, these are the things that you should like, it's like, you know, they um, like people that watch a lot of horror movies growing up. Uh, and this is what the studies say, like uh, t- have an easier time dealing with stressful situations. Because right. like they've, they've, they've That's gone through, point. yeah, like they've gone through the simulator, you know, they've, they've tested out the, the flight or fight machinery in a fictional sense so many times that they're more prepared in that moment. You know, you watch right. something like, um, you know, you watch something that's traumatic and stressful that leads to relief in like yeah. something, then it's good for you. Like if you're stressed about stuff, it relieves it. Even like, and even if there is like, like when I saw um, Inside Lewin Davis, which does not have a, a cathartic ending, you know, like it's a, it's a tragic ending. Um, I had like a 40 minute cry after watching this movie and I felt a thousand times better about everything. Like the most depressing, you know, uh, intense movie about this stuff. It's still good for you to uh, uh, let it out by watching it. You know, these things are actually can be actually very, very helpful for you. And yeah, another thing about cathartic moments is, yes, letting it out, letting it, but also buying stuff like mugs and shower Absolutely true. There's nothing that says catharsis like a martini giant shower curtain. (laughs) <laughs> well, okay, that's a good point. I that's wasn't trying line, to do saying. a direct promo, well but yes, there, but yeah, that's another thing. So all our listeners, <laughs> you know, like, let it out. Yeah, okay. Like, uh, like Alan Schneller, who's uh, Alan Schneller, who I just read <laughs> your line. You like heat? <laughs> like, yes. We yes, should make. He, he we, knows as well, Eric. Eric, <laughs> Alan what if knows we? As well. <laughs> what, Eric? What if we made martini giant IV bags? <laughs> there we go. See. There think, you go. I think we. I mean, we're we're at the point where we can make personalized material simply for Martini Giant fans who've been so dedicated, and uh, always yeah. show up in the chat. I think that that's something. Yeah, we, we can make an Alan, Alan Schneller. What would you like to have Alan as a product? Or Jason? What would you like to have Jason, as a product? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, would you yeah, like the, to have? The names like, we always the, see. You deserve your own. Yeah, mugs. whatever. <laughs> like the, the the Jason commemorative, whatever, <laughs> and the Alan commemorative, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, send us your it. ideas, and uh, and uh, yeah, one day these things may show up on the uh, on the store. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's all possible. It's all possible. Leave. Chris, leave Eric alone or something yes. like that. Yes, it's true. Yeah, what yeah. are you going to do? Hey, oh, and uh, Eric has just shared, shared an image with me. What is that? Yeah, it's looking good. We're looking at more great stuff that Eric is cooking up even as we speak. Well, you guys were talking about Nick Cage. Yeah, well, I was doing something productive with my time, making amazing no. illustrations. <laughs> I, just, Look I, at did, this. I was keeping my mouth shut. You guys are uh, in the in the who are listening are in for a treat. The story is going to get a bunch of great new materials, uh, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to buying a mug with me sitting with Gary Oldman. That's all I got to say. The, the, my, I don't my, think that's my, a mug. That that's not a mug. That is a that is a that is something. Flat. That's a beach beach towel. Beach I'm towel. Looking, I'm looking forward to wearing a beach towel over my shoulders while I work that has me and Gary Oldman on it. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually quite, quite amazing. That, that is absolutely perfect. Uh, for anyone else who doesn't know, my obsession with Mank has um, reached medical levels. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's why is that? I, I every time I watch it, I see more interesting things in it. It is like it's like the everlasting, everlasting gobstopper. gobstopper of, yeah. Of yeah. It's it's something. It's one of those movies. I just get hooked and I can't I can't stop worrying that worrying away at it. I don't know what it is. 
You're like Pacino in um, Heat. Oh, yeah, McHugh, I didn't even see that movie. Alan Schneller recommended I see that. I mean, I should check that out at some point. Yeah, you should see Heat. Yeah. yeah, it also has Tom Sizemore. It does. Yeah. Are you out of your mind? How many times have you seen mind. that movie? <laughs> I can I can project heat out of my eyeballs right now. I'm I'm so I'm I'm so well versed in that movie. <laughs> if you yeah. put a flashlight but behind, I gotta my say head. tonight was a good uh, good suggestion. Oh, I uh, love these movies. Yeah, it's rare that I that I get that praise from Eric. Usually, he and I are at odds. Don't with our... be sassy pants with me. This was this was lovely, and I and it really it, it sort of jump started my re interest in Scorsese. I've been uh, I yeah exactly. I feel interested. Like like shit, man. I gotta go back and and do a little. I love uh, uh, like New York, New York, and the little uh, 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 King of Comedy, King yeah, of Comedy, King of comedy. Yeah, I think yeah, it's time to do a little revisiting, and I have to of course see Silence and get the review on that one. I'm interested in that one. Yes, it covers a lot of uh, stuff and that then, I love to talk about, and then so, might as well watch you know Goodfellas and Casino too. Um, Amen. Amen. I've, I, I'm good fellows. I can project on my eyeballs oh, yeah. backwards, like, oh, like God, upside down movie. and sideways. Was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it uh, 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 Jimmy two times or something like that? Yeah, it's paper. Yeah. Gotta get, get the papers. The most incredible cast of all time is Goodfellas. I think that's the that may be the perfect ensemble film. If they're going to give an award for. Yes, like, which is, is what he was trying to do for flawless. the Irishman, and it failed miserably. I think that's that's it's like it's like Maybe. you can't you can't. It fails to be Goodfellas for sure. Like I, why it, do you just, hate it, the Irishman so much? It just but, doesn't work for me. I understand. And it's I slow think... and like, come on, is like. Here's the thing, okay? I mean, I mentioned this. It was a time. greatest like, hits album. That's what it, it was. It was a greatest hits album, and I don't like that. Don't do a greatest hits. Give me the actual. Have a greatest hits is so I, good. My, my Give me something argument, new and fresh. Like you know why it was great because it was great back then. Don't try to make it great again. The the, the make my, it great again is my, bullshit. My succinct argument with that is that it is a greatest hits album with the intention of using the greatest hits against itself. Like the last twenty no. minutes that. No, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You're not considering right. it. Okay. The, right, last 20, the last the last 20 minutes of the movie are uh are the point of the film. And that is all of that is entirely the opposite of everything that happened. And so all of it is just like here's the good fellas, and here's all the stuff you love, and here's all that bullshit. Like all of that ends up being meaningless. And that's the point. Like that is the actual point of the film, is like everything, everything that he was trying to hold on to is actually not worth holding on to at all. Like and that's the I best like the movie. I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing, and what you're doing is basically giving a, a a good story around it, which I think is a very enjoyable experience. I think you've you've made you're making excuses for it. I, I might be, but I'm and that's it. okay. That's okay. You're allowed to make excuses for it I because if myself, but it's because because if you're making excuses for it, that's perfectly a good valid reason How, for you to however love you love that sandwich, Dan. You put as much mayonnaise right. on that thing as you want. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. That's the thing okay. is, that's... I feel like the greatest hits and getting these guys back, that's how Netflix saw it. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's oh, why yeah. They saw it like, it. It yeah, you're going to get all the best 100. guys and finally get to work with De Niro. Yeah. yeah that's 100%. all it was. Yeah. And they, yeah. Which is know, like, to me, is like that scene of De Niro and, and, and Pacino and the coffee shop and he felt a little contrived. Honestly, it was. Speaking. You're yes. saying both of you, and I'm not going to argue it. But that's, yeah. I understand, just point of view. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay. I, have, I know, I know. I, know, I, know, I, know. I, know. I have one thing to say to you. Yes. Titanic. 
Oh my god. Oh yes. Another one where someday you like when you when you reach the pearly gates, they're gonna look at you and go like, what the fuck are you talking about? And the entire Titanic cast is gonna be behind them. <laughs> what do you mean that wasn't thing. a good movie? Hold on one second. You guys keep talking. I want to show Dan something. Hold on. All right. All right. I don't well, luckily about. I have most of the earth backing me up on that one. I don't feel I don't feel too tense about it. But yeah, what are you gonna do? But listen, every time you've brought up Titanic as being this great movie and everyone who had such respect for you at DD, when you brought it up uh, on, you know, on a, when we'd have our happy hour or our, our, our highballers night or whatever we were doing, yep. their respect was like, wait, what? I know. But it's it is every like, what, time the it's the uh, it's the it's the, I uh, remember Steve Preak's face when you said you love oh, Titanic. He was, hor- he was horrified. He was horrified. horrified. He's horrified. He's like, and, uh, wait, and I understand. I used to. But- like what you said now yeah. i'm questioning now I everything i've ever everything. heard from you i know i know <laughs> i have a huge but... i have a huge book collection and stuff in storage and i went through and i found this oh yeah 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 nice we know a lot Original. of people that are named in that thing yeah it's beautiful and i that's great yes. what is it i'm sorry what is it oh cinefix yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. cinefix with titanic yep. yes oh, look at that why do you yeah. have that eric i guess i swear the visual effects yeah oh hank wapo Okay. What was Wapa. the name? Arete. Arete. Do you remember that? That was the name of the ocean plugin that they used back in the day to make the, the ocean effects. Oh, interesting. And if Johnny Gibson is listening to the podcast, he could actually tell us more specifically yeah. if I got that right. It's got I, some I, interesting I, shots of DD. That's yep. for sure. Yeah. I am on the DD stage and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, we know a good number of people who worked on that show. Boy, oh boy! Yes, indeed. yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, the visual effects of it, but uh, yeah, it's. I was like, wait a minute. Do you have this one, Dan? I don't know. No, I do not. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that must be a great reason. Jason suggested we do a Manctanic. A <laughs> uh, Manctanic. That's right. <laughs> that's right thanks for the memories yeah like thanks for the memories yeah but thanks uh, for the memories yeah i will uh I, i'm gonna just gonna have to do my own podcast about titanic and i stand by to just to you know I, so i never you I don't never feel, no 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 we'll be there again. with you we'd be there with you it's just called the peanut gallery <laughs> like you know it'll that's be right. like the two old guys in muppet show or whatever like this guy <laughs> it's a uh, it's a tremendous work of art and i'll never step down from that point of view anyway, listen we all have embarrassing the, moments of things that we love right and that's fine oh, i'm dude, not I gonna shy away day. you those. you realize you see now by the way that i have successfully convinced the entire internet i believe this is my doing that miami vice is in fact a great film like there was an article in the atlantic no less about the cult of miami vice fans and how great the movie is written by a miami vice fan I was right. just like, yep, it has turned around. It has turned around. There's a podcast dedicated to it. And like that started off as kind of a goofy joke, but now they only talk about how great the film is. So I uh, I, I stand by these things. There is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Kevin Smith, the, 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 the clerk's guy, right? Kevin Smith, yep. right? Kevin Smith, right. And uh, uh, another guy. They started a podcast just on Frasier called Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs. No, that's good deal right there. That's right, amazing. and so I was trying to find that, but for for Brady to listen to that because Brady knows like every episode, everything like he knows it by heart, right? And so I was trying to like, but I can't like Kevin Smith is a little too, yeah, can't do it. 
I am actually a huge like I'm not a big fan of his movies. I like two no. of his movies. Um, Which movies do you like? I uh, I like. Um, uh, hang on, what, what's the name of it? Shoot. Okay, I can't think what, of the name. What's of it? Involved? Anyway, it's, it's like, but I the one that I will definitely defend in my grave is Red State. I think Red State is a terrific horror movie, absolutely terrific horror movie. And he's like, that was like, oh shit, this guy can really direct, and it's actually good. Um, and I was really, I wish that he would return to that. I'm told that I should also watch Tusk, which everyone hated, but sounds like I might love. I'm not sure about that. But in any case, like that. But you dude, did not like Chasing Amy. No, no, I didn't like Chasing Amy. I'm not a giant. Oh yeah, and no, like um, I like Clerks. I think Clerks is. What's the fun. other one? What's the other one with um, the the religious one? Uh, Dogma. Dogma. Yeah. You did not like Dogma. I I thought it was. I think all this stuff is good. Like he's just not like I feel like that he's a he is an incredibly uh, to me an incredibly charming, interesting, great storyteller podcaster speech teller storyteller i don't i I think he's terrible as a podcaster and i i i don't i'm not into that i i'm I'm, I'm not uh, not into the joe rogan style of podcasting honestly speaking sure yeah but like i i I like i think this guy seems like a genuinely good guy and i really like his feeling about making movies and i really i enjoyed that stuff and i've i've seen him speak a couple of times and i hope i really really like where he's coming from i just think the only time he ever really settled down to direct a movie was red state and no one likes red state i'm like hmm. this is a fucking really scary weird movie with great performances right. like this is the one you should be praising it's well made i did <laughs> like, i did like dogma i did like Dogma. yeah i, I remember that i haven't seen it in a long time but it uh i i remember thinking that was the funniest movie he's ever made like it's very really funny i did like chasing amy but i think again this is happens all the time. Like there's a moment in your life when you see a thing and it, it resonates somehow. Right. Sure. Absolutely. And so it was when there was weird relationships going on in my life. And I, that's definitely a movie about right. weird relationships. Right. So, yeah. I understand people right. loving this. I'm like, I'm not dissing anybody who loves the, the stuff. Like if you're into it, that's like, that's awesome. It's great. And yeah. this, this has become a theme. I think a little bit also like, you know, in terms of this thing, like, cause like Eric, like listen specifically about bringing out the dead, right? Like Eric made a very valid case of why bringing out the dead doesn't work for him. him. And a lot of it has to do with personal experiences that he's had to manage. Right. And at the same time, I just talked about why I thought this was so brilliant. And it was specifically because of, my personal experiences no not mark anthony definitely not mark anthony but it was about personal experiences that i'm dealing with today that resonated through this film right and allowed me to say like oh this is kind of brilliant brilliant right and so part of me is like yeah that's what i want to do and that's what i feel good about right so i i was like yeah it was something about it that was very uh powerful um and and creative um, well, and the thing is, like, uh, yeah, uh, in regards to our, yeah, this isn't it, like, this is not your favorite movie. Like, that it actually, like, I, this is what I like talking about. Like, I'm not interested in, like, having a giant agreement fest on stuff. That's the, least oh, no, no, thing no. Well, this uh, is like, the thing, I, uh, by the way, and this is the thing I absolutely love about us, mm-hmm. honestly speaking, is that, that we've, we've come from different perspectives right. constantly and figured out a way to communicate those things. Uh, uh, and and disagree about a lot of things, but it's still fine. Like we, well, it's like even like what Eric said is like that refined. Like, and 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 this is not in contrast to what he said. It was just how he described it. I was like, oh, the things he the things he likes are the things he doesn't like are things that I like. 
that's why this is not working for him, but working for me. And I never yes. articulated these things before. And now it's clearer to me and it helps me like the movie more, which is great. You Absolutely. Know, so like, like, but it, does, it certainly does not make, like, I agree with everything he said, right? Yeah, no, I totally hear it. Absolutely. Yeah, and just so you guys know, I get no, I take no offense if you say, oh, you're full of shit or this or that, because I'm very opinionated on what I like and for specific reasons. And if you don't like it, it's, uh, I don't say nobody, it, nobody has to like anything. Listen, that's just my opinion. If you don't like it, it's okay. I got plenty of others. I got plenty of others. Exactly. No, but <laughs> um, like, that's, this is my, that's my general feeling anyway. It's just like, no, I never I, mean I, to, I never I, mean I, to hammer I, on people for not, for liking or not liking. Something. I love, love I love like. the fact that we see things differently because it's, that's the thing that I think is the lens that we all need that we do know, obviously obviously we have more commonality than most people do in filmmaking love and history. But I think that we can, if the fact that we can find those idiosyncrasies are good, right? Because there's definitely people who say they love movies and they're definitely not the kind of movies that we love. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There's plenty of, plenty of movie podcasts out there that are about not the movies we like and they're probably way more popular than ours because specifically they're about you know spider-man movies that we're not always going to talk about right yeah but they're They're going to sit there and talk about the mcu their way (laughs) yeah they're going to talk about the you know the the mcu and we don't give a shit about that in a lot yeah and then like i feel like i think is that you know i really do like a lot of marvel movies there's there's loads of marvel movies that i like there's loads more that i'm completely i love spider-verse and 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 spider-verse is one of the spider-verse that's the thing right so it's always (laughs) worth watching always worth watching a marvel film because there's something like unexpected to happen it's like marvel that's yeah. That's Marvel. Technically, stuff. it's a Marvel film, right? Yeah, and then, Mar- uh, and then, and then the other one is obviously like I, Thor Ragnarok. Now, absolutely great. Yeah. Right now, it's still very much a Marvel film, yep. but it's like, oh, I'll watch that over and over again. Like, yeah. is it's fucking funny? I do not it's broad fun. brush my dis my disagreements with how Marvel works. Like, I'm no, just, like, give but me the like, movie. you know, like if the movie's good. I'm in. You know, like Avengers, Ultron, no. <laughs> right. right 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 and i hate to say it but eternals was yawn fest yeah like i've read and i read it's a director i truly love and i've almost avoided watching it just because i know that it's going to be a i think it's going to be a high cup amount with the psych did who's the director chloe Zhao. uh she did the writer mm-hmm. you guys seen the writer oh yeah yeah which is an unbelievable knockout. And she did Nomadland, which is also lovely. But the writer is one of the I most. I love Nomadland. Yeah. She's a brilliant She's a brilliant director. director. Yeah, but that's but it's She's fine. in the Marvel machine. What are you going to do? Like, that's it's fine. She gets a big check. It's fine. Then, but right, so she's yeah. just cashing out. She's just cashing out. Yeah, well, she's I, just, you know. I, I would do the same thing, man. If someone walked in with a giant check and said, like, let us uh, make a movie well, what, What's name, the Clooney like, thing? For it, Two for them, one for me? Is that dude. what he does? And, yeah, absolutely. Soderbergh does the same thing. Ocean's Eleven movie. Time to go to the cash machine. <laughs> I need to make four more movies this year, yeah. so it's time to make an oceans movie. Yeah. And yeah, I think that like, I, as long as uh, as long as they're still having fun with it, then I think that's a perfectly healthy thing to do. I think that like once you start, you have directors that take on jobs like that, and then you start bitchy and defensive about the fact that they've sold out. I'm just like, if you sell out, that's fine, but don't pretend like you didn't sell out. Like you're you're just like I'm doing it for the money, and now I'm getting now I'm getting back to business. Right. Like, every, that's. As long as you're honest with yourself, then you'll then you'll keep it together. But when you when you uh, when you sell out, like when you really sell out, is when you pretend like you're still, you know, B 
being an artist about it and then you're making you know fucking marvel you know fucking marvel uh automatically processed film number 78 <laughs> right <laughs> like come on all right what, we're, we're wrapping towards the end here we don't need to bash marvel anymore because we've done that plenty of yeah time. they got plenty of money don't worry about it yeah, plenty of money. <laughs> uh so a couple of notes and let's just logistically speaking and just for our audience purposes we haven't really quite figured out what we're going to do from now until the end of the year but let's just put it this way um I need to look at our schedule and make sure that our release schedule is going to uh, uh, going to work in terms of the amount of podcasts that we have. But at this point, uh, we have one uh, 18th of December is the next Saturday, and we may be able to squeeze in either a podcast or a watch party on the 18th, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next two weeks is uh, Saturday is a 25th is actual Christmas Day. And then uh, uh, New Year's Eve, obviously, is the uh, New Year's Day is the next Saturday after that. Right. So really, we're going to have to take two weeks off of broadcasting until we get back on, which what? will be January 8th. Right. Right. So we should at least think about, I'll, I'll, I'll look at the schedule and see, but we should do something on the 18th, which is a week from today. Mm -hmm. It could either be a watch party or it could be in, uh, another podcast recording. And I'll see I say we, we do work. another podcast. Okay. And just give us some buffer. No, it's good yeah. to have one in the bank. Sure. Okay. What's wrong with that? No, good one to have in the bank. So I'll, I'm up for that. So that means for you guys who are following us, which I think most people have dropped off because it sounds like we were dropping off at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Most people. But if you guys have any ideas what? for podcasts, what did you say? I'm sorry. But if you guys have any ideas for podcasts, please let us know. Uh, but probably by the time you get this, this is well beyond uh, when we need to help. Spread the uh, word, though. Put it out. Spread on the word. Yeah, Twitter's. yeah. Honestly speaking, it's let, let us know. Like, get get up there and, and let us know, and and get on the thing and tell us what you want to hear about. Uh, you know, something about what you wish twenty twenty two would be all about. By the way, today is a palindrome. Isn't that when it when a thing reads backwards, backwards and forwards? Right. Oh, nice. I love one this. two one one two one. Oh, look at that. Nice job. Because I saw it Math. in the artwork that Eric did for <laughs> watching the part of the party. I was hey, like, by the way, one, that two, thing I did. One, one, two, one. What? That that image was a good one. That's the keeper. Oh, the no, one of us at the, at the subway station. At yeah. You at the subway station. Yeah. yeah this is great. Yeah, yeah. Bless but it is her. one, two, one, 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 two, or two, one is a, is a, is a palindrome today. So that was a God pretty bless. Nice, nice cool. job, everybody. Nice job, numbers. Nice Excellent. job. Everything yeah. lined up. <laughs> Everything lined it? up today. It's nice. Uh, but wow. yes, no, I think it's a nice idea. We'll take any suggestions you get. You can hit us up at Martini Giant on Twitter. Giant. Uh, you can uh, go to Instagram and find us at Martini underscore Giant. Yep. You can also go to the website, which is www.martinigiant.com, where you can go through to spread, not spread, threadless, mm -hmm. and find uh, all sorts of great artwork there that you can buy on various things. Uh, and you can write to us directly at um uh podcast at martinigiant.com and let us know what you want to see whether it's for actual shows or for live watch parties which you can choose from the amazon prime list as long as it's the free prime and all the other ancillary bullshit look for michael can movies from the 1970s and you have a automatic approval yeah absolutely yep. i'm with you on that one michael cane <laughs> michael cane michael cane <laughs> Uh, uh, and so absolutely. And remember, uh, we are, like we said, we're on Twitch, Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. 
Uh, that is where most of the action is happening. If you guys want to be part of that, it'd be great for you guys to be that, as well as it is a way for you to directly support us by subscribing to our channel on Twitch and being part of that action, which many of you have done. And those of you who have, we thank you. And every time we do get a new subscriber that we'd like, uh, we try to send out some artwork that Eric has done. And Eric has promised to send our good friend, uh, Mr. Was it El Rey or Del Rey? I forgot uh, his name, oh, but he, yep, uh, yep. he is in uh, Malta and uh, we will be sending him uh, uh, some artwork. So bringing out the dead artwork, right? And that's, uh, that's yeah. on the plan. That's going to be exciting. Uh, so yeah, look for that. And uh, everybody else, please uh, write about us on Facebook, tweet about us, and, uh, and yeah, share us with everyone. More that's people to us. come and join us in the chat line because it's yeah. always a great goddamn time. It's funny when I put out the 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 the, the poster or the you know our, our 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 graphics for tonight's show on Twitch. I was like, I use the after hours like logo and it's yeah, yeah. so fucking 80s and it just yeah, looks so like <laughs> it just looks like some that those cheesy usa up all night type shows yeah. remember those things from the 80s <laughs> yeah. right <laughs> which had gilbert gottfried usa up oh, all night <laughs> like it makes me want to do you remember him yeah I, it, it oh, me, I do know you remember, him. You did a message for you yeah he gave me a, <laughs> that's, right, I, that's, my, right, that's Karen, right that's right that's right that's right Karen got me a cameo with Gilbert Gottfried. That's pretty goddamn good right there. I, I, I didn't even know what cameo was until you played that for me. And I was like, I want to get myself a cameo. <laughs> get myself a cameo. <laughs> I want to see what they would say. But yes. I mean, yeah. like, and now I'm looking at the After Hours logo on uh, on the page right here. And I, I'm seeing my Martini Giant After Hours. I want to know what that would be. Like, what a Martini Giant After Dark. <laughs> after Dark. What was, what was the DJ? What was, Eric, you were brought it up. There was this woman DJ who was like a very deep voice. She oh, was like, that was the, the night, uh, Nightbird. Nightbird. That's it what was, it was. Uh, yeah, it was huh? the Nightbird. I do remember. WPLJ, New, York, New York, right? Was it New York? Yes. Yeah, WPLJ. WPLJ. I think it was PLJ. WPLJ, the Nightbird. Yeah. Now, York, now, what's interesting is that LA had something called K Rock. And New York also yeah. had something called K Rock. Yes. Did they? But there were oh, two yeah. different. W yeah. Yeah. But there was W. Yeah. It was a different one. It was a different. They, right. they both called it. Yeah. They both called it. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah. There was also one in Long Island that was all new wave. That was amazing. In the oh, movie. yes. I do remember that one. Because in what? It's like the great stuff. Yeah. Because when I was in Westchester, tour, you could get a little. Clash. Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember that. And for all your Infinite Just fans out there, there's XLR like that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. There you go. For those of you who don't know, uh, the radio is something they used to have in your car and it would broadcast through an antenna and people could. It was like a podcast. It was like a podcast, except, all the you, time. All, except <laughs> you couldn't watch it. You had to watch it live. It was basically like Twitch, like Twitch, but it's Twitch. But, yeah. 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 But it's what Ima it was. Imagine that. Like if, if people just had to show up on time to do stuff, that'd be, yeah, yeah that's beyond my yeah. capabilities. I had one of my best friends growing up. He used to drive an old Caddy Hearse 61. But he had a like a small little gym bag, and it was all cassette tapes mm -hmm. but with no labels. So when you put it in, it was a total guessing game. It could be the jam, or it could be the Carpenters, and you'd be like, "Oh, okay." So you would just put them in, and be like, "What song? What album is this?" Because he would make his own home mixtapes, yeah, just direct album. But it was a case, a black small like one of those little bags to carry to the gym, and it was just filled with tapes. They're all black. That's yeah. good. And I you love just that. had to dig your hand in and be like, "What is this?" Oh, that yeah, reminds that me, I did want to, um, as part of my, our Martini Giant recommends, which I have yet to actually type out and send, 
uh, as uh, inspired by Bringing Out the Dead, I want to recommend a novel that I loved. That Eric, I bet you would really love this book. It's, it's short, but it's super fucking intense. What's it called? Uh, it is called Black Flies uh, by Shan Shannon Burke, and it is about EMTs. And uh, it's a uh, it is a it is a rough ride. But it, if you if you're looking for how old is it? It's probably know, fifteen years old, and uh, it is a like it's dispatch really, and it's actually book. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's yeah it's it's a novel. It's not like um, but like I think that I I you know it's like it takes place in the same sort of uh, I think it's not it's nineties you know New York ambulance stuff, and it's really really fucking intense. I always They're thought you know that David Lee Roth should make a movie about him when he was an EMT guy in New York. Oh yeah, hell yeah, absolutely. Good old David, man. Oh, man that would be really days. great because people would be like, wait, man, you look like. Like, you know, and he goes into a room and helps somebody with CPR. Like, wait, isn't that guy look like you look <laughs> like that guy from the jump band? And then Remy's there going, you're the one. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one from the ER. Yeah. I saw that show. Yeah, I saw I that show. It. It's on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to become a doctor in France because of you. Yes. How incredible is that that he's a doctor now? That's incredible. I've, well, right, that is getting man, out of visual you. effects, great. that's for sure. What a fucking time. Yeah, that is one way to get out of visual effects. Okay, I'll, I, uh, I can go on on stories with Remy, and I would love to. We'll have to save it to next the next time. time because I have to use the restroom. And I mean, the podcast is over. <laughs> the two beers are done. Mr. Uh, Mary right. Monkey has passed through my yeah. system. Yeah, almost all, right. all the way through. <laughs> all right. All right. Good night, We're going to get ready for a good, good night. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week, I guess. Next uh, week. Let's do it. All right. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.